Hey everybody, this episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by Andrew. Ripley's Believe It or Not? Yeah, that's right. How did you guess? The Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum and Auditorium in Hollywood, California. Oh, it's a wonderful place. They have been supporting us far longer than anyone else. Take that. Take that, everyone. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> everyone else listening who uh, kind of is supporting us. Guys, it's uh, such a pleasure to have uh, Ripley's with us every week, and this week is no different. You can get yourself a buy one, get one free. That's $20 after 5.30 p.m. for admission for two people. All you have to do is say, hey, I heard about you guys on Star Trek The Next Conversation. And they'll say, hey, here's buy one, get one for $20. That means two of you can now walk past this turnstile into the auditorium at Hollywood and Highland. So if you're ever in Hollywood, California, and you want to support this podcast, why don't you go ahead and support Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood as well. Tell them Matt and Andy sent you. That's a BOGO offer. Buy one, get one after 5 p.m. $20. Two people. Believe it? Or not? Someone had to close the loop. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Andy. Matt? I don't normally start podcasts like this, but on my phone right now, I have a return text message from John- Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes. Oh, Jonathan. Jo- Holy crow. I don't know what he's going to say. This is amazing. This is real time. He said anything for you. <gasps> Buckle up, everybody. We're going to be introducing a new segment called Ask Frakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be coming. Not not. Not. Uh, Super soon, but very soon. Uh, <laughs> contradictory already. Not super soon, but very soon? Super soon would be next week. I see. Very soon would be the week after. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, now I do now. Uh, so I'm excited. I, I, you know, I was just thinking because we're doing The Offspring next week, and that's uh, the first episode Frank's directed. And uh, quite frankly, uh, I was just thinking about all the questions that we probably could have asked him about Matter of Perspective and his rapey character. I kind of want to go back Wait, are we, and uh, really re-listen to every episode just of to next, figure out what next questions conversation. we had for Frank. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, if you are This in, is perfect for people with ADD like us, because we never remember our questions anyway. Yeah, the, if you're on our Facebook group, uh, thank you for joining it. Andy, I don't know. I, I'm just so frenetic right now. I don't know what to yeah, do. what's going Where's on? Where's all this energy coming I from? don't know. Is it because I go to the gym at 5.30 in the morning now? <laughs> oh, wow. If, if it is, then i got to start going to the gym at 5.30 in the morning. Uh-oh. That will never happen. It won't. No. And you know what? That's okay. Because that's not your style, bro. No. Your style is like chill. shirts and jackets. That's true. Can't work out with a jacket. <laughs> that's Andy's style. <laughs> Andy's style is shirts and jackets because he's really smart dresser. Oh, nice. Hey, that was hey, for you, buddy. You are a good improviser. Oh, uh, no. 
Buddy, you just passed UCB 301. Oh, God, I'm all Cage match, here I come. <laughs> that would be so. I would be I wonder so if I have that authority I would be anymore. so bad. In an improv show, I think. I don't think that's... Well, I, you would I did well. Be, I did well. You would be very commenty. That yes. is for sure. But I think you have the capacity in you to be a great improviser. And to exist in the scene, I think I can do. And yeah. I was good at it in college, and then I never picked it up again. You'd be great at it. You know how good at it I was in college, Andy? I don't. I went for five weeks, uh-huh. and then never went back to the class, and still got a C. <laughs> <laughs> What school was that? That was at the Art Institute of New England in Brookline, Massachusetts. Really? Yep. Nice. Uh, okay, so here's the deal, everybody. I, here's what I'm thinking about this. This okay. this Frakes situation. Yeah, this is this is amazing. And I'm only literally here's news why, flash. Here's why this popped into my head. Yeah. So many. I asked the Facebook group. Yeah. The face group. The face group. What you and I said we would do if we hit a thousand. Right. Right? And I, because you and I completely forgot. We sure did. A few people said pizza party. Uh-huh. But one guy said, uh, get Jonathan Frakes on as a guest. But then a lot of people liked that comment. Sure. So I was like, all right, let me see what I can do. <laughs> Just by like going, what's the least annoying way I could ask a human being to do a podcast? So... This is, by the way, this I've, is from Pete. Pete I've Kilmer. Trying to get Pete Matt Kilmer made the suggestion to, to crack and get a, some form of guest on for literally what is this? Fifty episodes, sixty episodes. Okay. So I think all this means is that he dignifies all of you schmoes out there more than this person on the mic across from. I had him. to. I had to build the trust of Frakes, uh-huh. and also had to figure out a way to not burden him Reasonable. by making it a nice quick little thing pop in that can hopefully become a recurring pop in i love the pop-ins um so anyway buckle up you'll know it's like when a we know but he it has said he has said he would he amazing. will do anything for I me can't, i have so many questions we all do andy oh boy that's the beauty of this podcast if you're a new listener welcome if you're an old listener thanks for listening if you're quantum leap singing stop it I said, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, okay, Andy, uh, what, what, what's, on the, what's on the agenda today? Matt, I think I know the answer to this question, but uh, would you have them watch uh, a little episode called Yesterday's Enterprise? Well, here's the deal. If you guys heard the trailer last week, then probably skip it because it all got spoiled for you. So uh, <laughs> if we're using Andy logic... A lot of- a lot of hot takes on it, by the way. Oh, Very were they like uh, both ways? Both ways, always. Oh, that's so crazy. Always, that's crazy to me. Yeah, um, I will but, say, I think most people kind of had the had the opinion on like that the trailer is probably okay, but even even some people on that were were like, listen, we I were, don't listen to the trailer. As I said, we we're forced to watch the trailer. Uh, but I do agree with you that it's interesting, and some people even said they would like to hear me theorize on what I think the episode's going to be about based on the trailer, which is an interesting kind of great, yeah. actually. Right. Oh, and that's a fun thing you can go back to and listen to uh, next week. Yeah. You know, like uh, go back, like after you've watched it. Anyway, yes, a thousand percent watch this episode. It's the best script of television ever written by that many people. As Oh, was there a lot of people? Were Did there you not notice people? how many writing credits were on this thing? No, I, whoa, that's something in and of itself I would Ready? love to speak to. Yeah. Teleplay. Bye. Are you going to have to do this anyway when we start talking about that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'll just say one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Six people are credited on this script. And that is usually a bad sign. 
Is Michael Pillar one of them? No. But that, by the way, that's but, a nice, that's a nice sign that because they probably had some sense that this was going to be a hot one, and uh, he did not do the douchey thing. They and all put hated his own it. Name in. <gasps> no, we'll get into it, Andy. Oh my goodness, we're gonna get into it. That is crazy. Yesterday's Enterprise, Bonkersville, bonk 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 Bonkersville, bonk 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 bonk. Um, Matt, we're going into the Admirals Club. Oh, we are, which is what I said I would do. We're so discombobulated. Here's the deal, guys. I said if we got a thousand uh, Facebook uh, fiends, (laughs) how do you say this? I'm gonna do the whole. I'm gonna do the whole premise. Oh, by the way, um, for when we uh, when we read stuff from the face face group, as I mistakenly called it last week, just like the old man that I am. Although I think, in fairness, I was thinking the Facebook group for Star Trek: The Next Conversation, and I combined face group. Here's what I should do. But anyway, um, Mike Mann, who's been doing all those delightful, just yeah, I I I, I put out the call. A distress signal for people to help me with the Instagram. This guy has made a hilarious photoshopped image for every single Next Conversation episode. Is that true? Yeah. That's amazing. It's crazy. So God bless you, Mike Man. And then he immediately sent us this... Uh, this this theme song for when we we read... Uh... Well, hang on a second, Andy. Okay. This is a new segment. So what I'm going to do... Is allow allow access to you know what? Should we save this for after the or since we're talking about it, we should just get into it. Well, I have to get everyone into the club, right? Okay. Well, we're doing the Admirals Club first. Here's what I want to know. I'm okay. This is going just to the members of the Star Trek: The Next Conversation fan group. Okay. I'm going to start a live video right here. Live video. Stop oh, starting wow. a live video. Oh, I really. So, hi not everybody. To do anything. So I've started a live video. There, I don't know if anyone's watching, but if we look over here, okay, everybody, for those of you who aren't in the Facebook group, you're not going to see the video Andy and I just made. Well, can, they can look it up now, right? Well, if they join the Facebook group and answer oh, one question. True. Yeah. It's a very simple question, but you have to answer it correctly to get admitted into the Facebook. So there's about 30 of you who haven't answered the uh, question. Uh, yes. So uh, they, they've let they've let it sit. Yeah. So you let it sit, and we let you sit. But you can go back and answer the question. And buckle up, buddy. You're in. Seems reasonable, right? Yeah. Andy, well, why wouldn't you want to be part of it? Uh, I know what distracted us from this. I we were about to enter the Admirals Club, uh-huh. and uh, I was dealing with uh, the whole situation of me promising I would show people how I did the magic. Well, now do you want to do that? Well, I did. I showed oh. the Facebook Live people how to do it. Oh, I see. I thought yeah. you were going to do it while you were doing all the. No, I was going to, yeah, and then I decided I mean, that this, this is was a better a, option. Look, we gave them. Fr- we're going to give them freaks. <laughs> we gave them a little peek behind the curtain, like you said, guys. I uh, just yeah, back we just, off, you greedy bastards. There's like 12 minutes of a podcast that is in just available on Facebook <laughs> Live. True. It's our so, first bonus terrible podcast. Um, <laughs> And Bo is in it, and Dory is in it, and uh, Dory looks like we're homeless the way she's crouched up yeah, against the table that doesn't. Like she's eating soup or something in a blanket with a cap. What's that? You? I told you we were doing this podcast. No, I'm, I'm just, so, so leave me to eat in peace. I wasn't complaining about it. Oh boy, here we go, guys. 
<laughs> oh, I, t- I turned it down. Is it freezing? I feel hot. I feel very hot also. Maybe Matt and I are running the same fever. Oh, my God. Andy, I found it. Hey, I'm, what's going on? How come it's not playing? Something's wrong. Did you mute yourself? No, it's on. I don't believe you. I think it, Are you muted? I think it, when I was trying to do all that Instagram... Oh, by the way, I've been going crazy with the Instagram stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> a.k.a. I've been doing a couple of Instagram things. That's crazy. So, um, you know... Uh, check it out uh, at Star Trek TNC. Our Twitter is also at Star Trek TNC. Um, sound. What's wrong with this? Uh, I'm sorry, Matt. Andy, it's okay. I think that part of the charm here, yeah, is people like us because you're terrible at this. Well, <laughs> it's never going to go away, apparently. So you know what? That was unfair. Headphone. People oh. like this because we are terrible at this. That's the headphone port, so I think I'm plugged into the wrong port. Oh, there you, were, you, go. you were plugged into the Gazinta instead of the Gazada. No, it should be the headphone port, right? Yeah, it should be the headphone port. I don't see why it wouldn't be the headphone port. Okay. I don't. So then what's wrong? I don't know. Why is it not playing? I'll try it again. There we go. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the Admirals Club. You can get in here, too, if you would like to just uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You'll be welcomed into the somewhat exclusive Admirals Club. Sorry, I just stepped to the side. This is a whole... Wait, did you, you step out doors? of the Admirals Club? No, I'm Club? in the oh, you're Admirals, in the Admirals Club, Club walking you know through the doors. Sure, doors. sure. Lola Waterton says, Matt and Andy are super dandy. Are you a lifelong next-gen fan? Have you never watched it? This is the pod for you. They're adorably horrible at running a podcast, but that is one of the best parts. That's what we just said. Exactly. And then she's got a hashtag, Mycunda for life. So I guess it's Myran Secunda. M-I- oh, wait, that's our, they shipped us? That's our ship name? Apparently. Mycunda? Mycunda. Do you want a different one? Andrew. Sakira. Anthew. Anthew. Matt, Matt, it would be Matthew, Man, Mandy, Matt, it's Mandy, Matt Drew, Matt Drew. I don't like Drew. Uh, Sa- I like Macunda. Sakira, Sakira is another one. Isn't that the movie that Benicio del Toro is in? Is that what it is? Sicario. No, um, Zelman says space doors. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> I just want to get into the Admirals Club so I can figure out what is happening as two podcasters walk in and out of the doors. Still, they can crank out a hallway podcast better than anyone. Question, are fresh mics replicated every time or is all the equipment hauled around each week? It's a good question, Matt. What do you think the answer to that is? Oh, I think that we keep them uh-huh. in the Admirals Lounge club no wait we have to keep them in the hallway because we start out there and then we go in you know what guys i think the answer to this question is we have to replicate new ones every week gotcha i think i think you're right um which would be just as much of a pain uh there are no um united federation of Pre- presidents circle but whatever you know what it is <laughs> united federation of planets president circle entries this week so if we could just leave the admiral's club we can leave the air. That's unbelievable. So there's no one in the president's circle. Nope. Guys, it's very easy to get in the United Federation of Planets president's circle. All you have to do is donate to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you don't feel like donating, quite frankly, the least you can do is get into the Admirals Club. 
it's through PayPal. Uh, by the way, that is also where you write us hails. Sliding. Hang on. That's that door. There we go. Oh. Captain, we are being hailed. The hails are now open. Um, first... Whoa. That was so... Why was that so loud? I don't How know. Come, I, you know what? This thing doesn't regulate. Um, <sighs> now hey. I feel like the engines are low. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot going on over there. Oh, boy. Derek took a lot of early shots at me in this podcast. Well, uh, I corrected it to say we are terrible. Fair enough. Hey. Hi. It's Nate Titus writing from Nicaragua. My brother Theo gave me a shout out from the president circle. What's up, Theo? He mistakenly said I was in Managua, and you pronounce Managua correctly. I'm actually in Chinandega. In uh, Riker's uh, telling, this is about uh, matter of perspective. In Riker's telling Manwa, basically, in uh, Riker's telling, Manwa basically throws herself at him and he resists her. In hers, he is the aggressor. From what we know of Riker's character, the truth has to be somewhere in the middle. Women often throw themselves at him and he very rarely resists them. Dr. Apgar's telling is most likely the closest to what really happened. Furthermore, I submit But we that never get Dr. Apgar's we, telling. We just get the third right, person the, the of Dr. Apgar. <laughs> we have the officially legally enter, entered uh, hearsay account. Furthermore, I submit that everyone on the Enterprise knew this and was basically okay with it. That's why Riker's telling of his initial arrival at the station, which Geordi presumably helped recreate, which as Matt pointed out, was also never heard Jordy's account yeah isn't that different from Manwa's and the stories only diverge once he is alone that's also why no one really pursues this part of the investigation Picard actually avoids the issue knowing full well that his first officer is capable of some inappropriate behavior but if Riker and Manwa had a thing for each other which ended badly it makes sense they would rewrite in their own minds uh, the way it began their affection was mutual um uh, and so that's from Nate Titus writing from Nicaragua but um, I don't know I don't know if I, I I agree that people rewrite stuff in their own heads and that's the intention but there are some crazily different interpretations like with who hit who and all this stuff yeah there's like too many there's too many extremes uh, both ways as we discussed last week I'm yeah, not gonna right. rediscuss last week's discussions I appreciate that um, and I and I think I gotta say I think uh, I think other people will too um, <laughs> okay uh, we have a a voice hail which I oh we love a voice hail I they're think, very easy to make I think you're gonna appreciate after I can just oh boy make sure oh boy Oh, Andy, that's the wrong button. That's, yeah. Oh, there we go. What's happening? Why am I You're hitting all these wrong buttons. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Something's going Oh, I see uh, what I did wrong. Okay. Oh. Here it is. Oh, come now. Oh, there we go. Hello, Dr. Crane. My name is Deanna. <laughs> Hello, Deanna. I'm listening. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome to hear an interaction between Deanna Troy calling in to Frazier oh my God. and for him to explain to her that you are not an empath you should get a real degree <laughs> go to school girl it's Elliot from Harrisburg Elliot from Harrisburg thank you so much uh, you know that's kind of like the arc of uh, of Daphne's character early on when she has more of her psychic visions oh that's true you know what I mean was that uh, a subtle connection to Deanna Troy <laughs> I, I don't I don't think so but yeah. also I'm delighted by the fact that he did that. Um, 
Kurt Onstead wrote us uh, an email uh, about the Riker stuff too, but it was a little bit doubling up with other stuff. Uh, but one thing did uh, strike me at the end, uh, which he said in the in the post hashtag Me Too world, this episode is always going to be squicky as we're supposed to be rooting for the guy and believing that the woman is faking the accusation or overreacting in some other way, uh, which I agree with. Uh, but more to the point, Matt, have you ever heard the term squicky? No, I've heard of Squiggy and Lenny. <laughs> sure. They, uh, Hello. They're big friends. They're, fa- they're big fans yeah. and friends of Laverne and Shirley. Sure. Uh, they work at a pizza parlor. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and... Uh, you know, they say hello. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the things I know about Lenny and Squiggy. You know what I think the problem is? I think that it's... Uh, so, Squicky is a combination of the words squeamish and icky. A situation or general ah. state of general grossness. And I really enjoyed it. And I kind of wanted to put it out there. <laughs> um, okay. And that was the Admiral's, Admiral's Club. Club. Uh, there's another hail. Hey, guys. Uh, really, Andy. Uh, I thought about a matter of perspective. I do not like the precedent the episode supposes. Um, so you think this is going to be about some political weird thing, in the, but it's not. No, it's about functioning holodeck stuff, I'm sure. A hundred percent. I really could guess, Matt. I really do not like the precedent the episode supposes. So in the past, they've used the holodeck for simulations and such, but it was obviously contained solely on the holodeck. In this episode, components of the holodeck function um, are able to affect things outside the holodeck, the radiation damage. By that thought, why even have a warp core? Why not just have a big holodeck in place of engineering? Um, that when, that way, when the warp core is about to breach, blowing the ship into tiny pieces, they could just say, computer, delete warp core. Thus, crisis averted. Just a thought I had while watching. Um, but the warp core generates power. It, that's, that's sort of like the uh, chicken and the egg situation, right? So the warp core is there. It's going to generate some power. Uh-huh. And, but you need the power to be generated in order to run a holodeck simulation. Do you know what I'm saying? No. He's, he's saying make the whole ship, the interior of a ship, out of a holodeck, right? That's what right. he's saying? Yes. Uh, what I'm saying is what will power that? Oh, I see. It's got to be powered by the warp core. Well, or just generally how I understand power to work on, an, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a ship. Is, is the ship powered by things other than the warp core? Is the warp core just for the warp? Well, you know, the warp core is the, it's powered by deuterium. The warp core is powered by deuterium. Yeah. Well, there's deuterium tanks, and those are the matter. So they, you know, so, so they feed into the matter, the matter stream, uh-huh. which I think is pure deuterium. Is the dilithium it's fed into the antimatter, and the dilithium crystal is the only the thing that can crystal. refract that energy. Oh, I see. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, or rather, like focus it okay. to go where it's supposed to go. Right. As far as I'm saying, so like when they don't have when they fractured crystals, yeah, that's bad. They can't put the power where they need to put the power. Uh-huh. And when they are when they are like out of dilithium crystals, uh-huh. essentially just means that they fracture and they're no longer going to work the way they're supposed to work. That's how a dilithium crystal works, to my knowledge. Feel free to send in a prime corrective. Okay. This is a theme song for Matt. Because Andy has way too many. <laughs> I couldn't find another one that fit. Um, uh, and then uh, also, uh, Lieutenant uh, John Harmon, uh, we, uh, we failed to come up with his name last night. He did the fine Q Photoshop of, uh, I think, oh, your face floating yes. over mine. No, my face was in the cigar smoke, and Correct. you were Picard. I was Picard. 
Um, so we didn't come up with his name. So a little shout out to him. Very fine Photoshop work. And now, Matt, uh, to return to where we were at the top of this uh, podcast, uh, Mike Mann sent us a theme song for our face group. And here it is. Computer, access face group. (laughs) Who photoshopped Andy with a cat? Who's that calling (laughs) Matt a twat? Just take a look. It's on Facebook. It's in our face group. He did it. That's that's this is uh, that's unbelievable. I love it so much. Except that I'm called twat. Yeah, but gonna, I guess I still called, love it. Should you want that to stay stay the thing for for uh, hundreds more episodes? <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Ooh, something's going on that he's looking at. I'm on the face group. You're on the face group, and I'm looking at something that Derek Hawkins has posted. Good old Derek Hawkins. Derek Hawkins has posted uh, the episode quality of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, that shows must-watch episodes versus uh, don't-watch episodes. And you'll see that the the must-watch episodes are all those green dots, and that's the whole run of the series, Andy. Uh-huh. And you see how many of them wind up later in the season. You look at season one and two, and that's all those red horriblenesses. Is that hmm. now? I don't fully agree with the list. What's that first green one? The first green one, I I can't tell from here. Does it say what season it is? Uh, that would be sixty-three. That would be this one that we're about to do today. That's the first green one, according to them, according to whatever this oh, is. Wow, if that's true. I feel like we've already seen some good ones, even though we've seen certainly many bad ones. <laughs> sure. So, so that's the, that's very promising. It is very promising. Here's the deal, everybody. Uh, I were, I to, I posted on the face group last night that Andy and I are recording tonight, and that I would happily look through and take some questions from our faithful Star Trek: The Next Conversation Facebook group. So here it is, Andy. I'm going to get a couple of these going right now. Exciting. Uh, John Spees. This is Andy. Here's a question sort of directed towards you. Okay. But you, maybe you can't answer it quite yet. Which character deserved their own spinoff series? Huh. I mean, I've always been an Ensign Rowe fan, so I feel like I would like to see her follow her. Avengers. It's crazy that your answer is someone who doesn't factor into our show until like 2019 <laughs> late 2019 it's one of the few later episodes i've seen okay john spees who asked that question facebook pal john spees said uh, followed up to that and said why is that person guinan <laughs> he thinks it's guinan yeah, i think that's reasonable uh we have who, a wait who do you think it should be who gets their own spinoff yeah i always wanted to follow uh wharf i can't uh do this with a spoiler I can't. It's a spoiler, oh, okay. so I can't. But it is. Uh, it is Riker, and I'll. I'll tell you why. By the time we get to Nemesis. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I hear Denise. Cro- this is from Ian Parsonen. Parson. Parsonson. Uh-huh. There you go. Ian Parsonson. Uh-huh. I hear Denise Crosby was axed from the show because every time Picard said the name Yar, he sounded like a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Again, these are questions and comments. They're quiments. Uh Here we go. Uh, are we allowed to use that? Don't uh, doesn't Nerdist have the uh... find me? <laughs> uh, 
Why didn't you guys give this episode more Andy's? Because I guarantee you didn't give it enough. It's even got Matt's favorite uniform. Oh, Mike, the TBD. You, you, you should know how the face group uh Oh, this happens. is interesting. So this is about yesterday's Enterprise. Because yeah, because I, I, asked, I asked people right. to ask questions. I think that's valid. But I think in the future, we should ask about the previous episode so that it's part of the discussion of the previous episode because we haven't discussed it yet uh jason burris says how is it possible matt hasn't seen breaking bad i now need a podcast where the roles are reversed and andy smugly explains the series to matt who constantly asks spoiler questions that would be both frustrating and wonderful that'd be uh fascinating uh like charlie kid first, says frankly charlie kid says i'm the president <laughs> i'm the president <laughs> And uh, let's see. Let's grab one more. Let's scroll down a little bit here. Uh, question for both of you. When will we get a Goldberg's script introducing their lost cousin, Whoopi? I think actually that has been kicked around. I don't know if she's a cousin, but I think that talking about having Whoopi Goldberg on the Goldbergs has been kicked around. And boy, are we going to have a lot of Guinan questions for her. I have a feeling she won't be as friendly as uh, as Mr. Frakes <laughs> um, in terms of just saying, hey, Whoopi, can we just uh, shoot oh. a question over to you? And lastly, we'll get from Rob, Hi. Rob Garrison, who's the captain of the uh, USS Face Group. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rob says, Matt, will you mention to people that they have to answer the question, do you listen to the podcast Star Trek The Next Conversation? And... Will you keep the conversation relevant to the podcast with a resounding yes to be led into the group? So I'm reminding everybody that if you've asked to be in the join in the group and you haven't answered the question, yeah, buckle up. There was one other. My thing. mom then replies, "LOL, Rob, <laughs> I was going to text Matt that too. I did hear him mention it in the last episode, but it never hurts to repeat it." Rob then replied to my mother, "About 25 people still haven't caught on. Boy, oh boy, there's more replies." Here's my mom again. Yes. I get the request notifications and think, why haven't you answered the question yet? Rob then replies, yeah, I can't figure it out. There are even people who answer honestly and say no. Are they being facetious? I don't know. Anyway. And then Mike Gibson says, I think some people just mass join every single Star Trek group on Facebook. That's interesting. Uh, Lewis then says, yes, even the awful ones. And then Phoebe pumps uh pumps on in here and says uh, some people don't see the questions it's weird glitch where you run into with other groups you can either message them to confirm or decline their entry and hope they try again later oh boy i, I gotta say that. when i joined the group i was i was confused about the question myself but i am definitely a tech moron so um i don't know that i'm, I'm com- comparative uh but a separate thing as i think i saw maybe it was on this thread maybe it was on a different thread on the group um, somebody kicking around the idea of again I don't know if it was for the for the face group or if it was for the fans in general or if it was for this portion of the podcast but uh, I enjoyed the branding of calling it uh, 10 backward instead of 10 forward who said that that's very funny I don't know somebody on the Facebook group more like 10 backward yeah that's the sassy uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. ensign yeah you can take that little that little sound clip of him saying that included in the theme song somehow <laughs> <laughs> um all right are we done with the that portion my friend oh uh, we sure are well indeed. then let us close up the hail bag Andy. yeah we've done all this stuff uh-huh and we're only like 30 minutes into the show. Wow. I don't remember actually how long we did before I paused the podcast. I'm going to say we did like five minutes. Sure. 
So we're like 27 minutes in. All right. I feel good about it. I feel good, too. We were really on really? fire. We're really moving fast. We, even with all the mistakes. We got hit real hard on Twitter by that one guy for going 42 minutes without talking. Yeah. And then I got on my Twitter burn horse. Yeah, you did. And I, I regret it a little bit. Do you, I, you know People what? People say I'm mean. Oh, uh, well... I don't know. You. I I, t- I took it well. That I agree with hundred <laughs> percent. But I feel like I I was a little bit snarky with him too, and I regret it also. Yeah, but then I got extra snarky. You definitely piled on. <laughs> Here's but, the deal, people. If but we gonna, have the thing. Matt has gone to the trouble of it's writing. So this is we, when. I, granted, granted, I will give you this, everybody. We did not start doing it regularly until pretty recently. Uh-huh. But I try now to put in every podcast episode the point in which we start talking about the show, yeah. uh, the specific episode people have watched. And, you know, honestly, I would get his I would get his complaint if we only did like an hour and 20 minute long episode. Right. And we did 42 minutes of not talking about the episode. Totes. But the fact that we did an hour and 20 minutes beyond that, just talking about the 44 minute episode of Star Trek, really just brought my brain to a close i really think that's uh that's valid i think he was probably just uh trying to give us the business but yeah. uh we're both very thin-skinned individuals oh but also yeah one of us is really fat that's what? it's me <laughs> <laughs> we both have our flaws i think no one would argue that thin skin and me <laughs> um so Matt, yes. uh, you want to talk about this day in Trek? Well, I'm going to tell. I'm going to set it up for you because you actually do the talking about. Right. It. I will say this. I um, I completely messed up, and uh, a couple of weeks ago for Deja Q, I read uh, the very efficient Matthew Kirk's um, this day in Trek for the wrong day. <gasps> so I switched these, and now I'm going to read for the week. This of is February what happened 5th, in February, February fifth, nineteen ninety. Which interestingly was the same, uh, the same number one song, which was Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat. Well, uh, they have they have With really held to on to their spot here. Anyway, um, luckily it's so catchy. I think we could all listen to this forever, guys. This is yesterday's Enterprise production number one sixty three. It aired the week of February nineteenth, nineteen ninety. But Andy's going to tell you about the week of February fifth, nineteen ninety. Beyond Paul Abdul, nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor led the radio charts in the UK. Um, Among School Children by Tracy Kidder was a bestseller, and oh, well, Paula, Andy, I've decided that we've had enough of her. Oh. I wonder if that one's going to be on the charts for nine weeks, oh, no. just like you were you were theorizing. Driving Miss Daisy was still in the fast lane at the box office. Cute. Ah, he turned it around. The Communist Party of the Soviet Union voted to end its monopoly of political power, enabling multi-party elections to be held. This would lead to the eventual demise of the USSR. While previously banned on domestic flights of two hours or less, U.S. in-flight smoking was effectively eliminated. Um... And Time Magazine's cover featured a portrait of Nelson Mandela with the caption, Mandela, free at last, question mark? After 22 years of changing South Africa, prepares to at least release its most famous political prisoner. That's there it. There you go. Let me tell you a little bit about this song. Okay. Written by... Prince. There you go. A lot of people forget that about Prince, even though Prince did it first. Yeah. What a, that guy. Ugh. What a talent. 
That's a, maybe maybe the the most dumb redundant thing I've ever said. Oh, Prince, so talented. <laughs> Anyway, super talented. We miss you, Prince. <laughs> this episode dedicated, of he course. He would have made a great Star Trek alien. What to I? Prince. <laughs> Probably not his thing. He would have made a great Star Trek alien. You know, speaking of Star Trek aliens, Andy. Okay. Uh, guess who was in the gym again this morning? Uh, John Tesh. He sure was. Yeah. Klingon Tesh. Was he working with a Klingon paint stick? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, it's yesterday's Enterprise. I know we've all been waiting a long time to get to something this good for Andy, and, well, we're here. It's Stardate 43625.2, directed by David Carson, who would later go on to direct Star Trek Generations. Oh, interesting. Teleplay. Yeah, that makes sense. The teleplay here was by Ira Stephen Bear, Richard Manning, Hans Beamler, and Ronald D. Moore. Oh, Ronald D. Moore. Hey, did you? I just told Matt, Ron Moore. Right, I was too frustrated for, because I left my keys in the office. Yeah, he was distracting me. He had to go back for his keys. So he overlooked this insane news. Ronald Moore is going to be working in the office one flight up from Matt and I it's, on some show, which we don't know what it it's is. It's crazy. Do you think I should just carry all my Star Trek stuff in and out of the office every day in hopes that I have the elevator with him? Sure. <laughs> You mean like just wearing it and carrying just it? Wearing just wearing it, carrying it, like just so he hustles out at the my, moment the door is open. Wearing my Enterprise flight jacket, and like, hey, what's up? And he's like, I didn't work on that one, and I'm like, damn it. Uh, okay, so, uh, story by Trent Christopher Janino and Eric A. Stillwell. There's a lot of people, and I was wondering how that was it just like everybody had a hand in it like it's so unified in its voice well we'll get into that in a minute andy right. but here's the synopsis from larry nemichek's star trek the next generation companion revised edition a living ghost from the past the enterprise ncc 1701 charlie lost with all hands 22 years ago emerges from a temporal rift in real history, the ship answered a Klingon outpost's distress call, paving the way for the current union of the Federation and the Klingon Empire. By journeying through the temporal rift, the older ship has missed its appointment with destiny and created an alternative timeline. In this universe, where Tasha Yar is still alive and well, the Enterprise-C was not destroyed, and Klingon and the Federation uh, detente never occurred. Instead, the two governments are engaged in a decades-old conflict that has claimed the lives of billions. Only Guinan detects the changes in the history. She tells Picard that the war, his dark and somber battleship, and time itself are wrong. And that he must return the old Enterprise C through the Temple Rift to meet its intended fate. Among the oldest ship's officers are Captain Rachel Garrett and helmsman Richard Castillo, who falls in love with Tasha. I mean, you're projecting. I don't know if it's love yet. <laughs> Larry, come on. Uh, Picard, to the disbelief of his officers, is finally convinced of the truth of Guinan's story and prepares to send the Enterprise-C back through the rift. Then Garrett is killed in a Klingon attack. To take her place, Yar, who has learned of her senseless death in the real timeline, volunteers to go back with the doomed ship. Picard reluctantly grants her permission to do so. Attacked by three Klingon ships, the Enterprise-D holds out just long enough to allow its predecessor to enter the Temple Rift. History immediately resumes its normal course, a change that goes unnoticed by all, except Guinan. 
Yar. 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 All right, everybody. So, Andy, in spite of the multiple writing credits, yeah, which would suggest a patched together episode, this is uh, more reading from Larry's book here. This show is continually cited as one of the uh, one of TNG's most popular, most powerful. Yet, according to story writer Eric Stillwell, the writing staff didn't think the show would work because its teleplay was written by committee and rushed to final draft in just three days. I just can't. To meet a pushed-up shooting schedule, this was necessary to accommodate Whoopi Goldberg and Denise Crosby's shooting schedules, which made them unavailable during the original filming window in January. Well, was Denise Crosby was so busy with at that point? Let's Pet find Cemetery, out. the deuce. Maybe. Uh, most of the writers were not happy with the script, said Stillwell, who was a gopher during TNG's first two seasons and a script coordinator on the next three, listed as a pre-production associate in the credits. The, they thought it was going to be horrible because they don't like having to write something and make it work in three days. Well, I can tell you that that's, I think, true of most writers. Sure. Uh, and the tale actually began with an idea pitched by Trent Chris Virginino a year earlier in which the Enterprise-C comes forward in time while not changing the future. And it forces Picard to decide whether or not to reveal their fate to them before sending them back. Among the characters that would not survive in the final draft was Captain Richard Garrett, whose name was changed, uh, and it was taken from a pizzeria in Giannino's, uh, I'm sorry, Giannino's hometown of San Jose. Uh, This is some trivia stuff that we can get into a little bit later, but Andy, buckle up. Here we go. Okay. You're going to get to see Worf's teeth in laughter. What is it? Just try it. You see? It's an earth drink. Prune juice. Warrior's drink. Poor flex to be regular. Now, do you think he just is enjoying the prune juice because its consistency and color matches that of Klingon blood wine? Oh, interesting. I mean, I I just sort of interpreted it as like prune juice is generally something we would all kind of go. Follow-up. Yeah. Do you think the Klingon blood wine is like Manischewitz? (laughs) Are the Klingons actually the space juice? Are the Klingons space juice? And not the Ferengi? Well, I have to revise my my offense if that's the case. I would love to be a Klingon. (laughs) Companionship. I would require a Klingon woman for companionship. Earth females are too fragile. Not all of them. There are a few on this ship that would find you tame. (laughs) (laughs) Impossible. I mean, come on. If you're going to do a line reading as uh, as Worf, uh, you can't nail it any harder than that. You sure can't. Uh, so um, a temporal rift uh, well we don't know it's a temporal rift Andy uh, some sort of hole opens up in space right in front of 10 forward 10 forward being at the front of the ship gets a good view of this and Guinan starts going what wait before that? you go on to this what uh, can uh, Klingons have sex with humans or not yeah they can Milana Torres she's half Klingon half human well I don't know if it was the half human thing what do you mean 
well, she's half human, so she maybe is less whatever it is that's the problem is uh, less of a problem. If she, well, she's she had human. to be made at some point. Oh, it's so true, so <laughs> obvious. Andy, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't connecting the dots there. <laughs> also, we uh, met a part human Klingon, uh, Worf's uh, bow. Oh yeah, so or what Bell. is his? So he's just using it as an excuse. He seems to be. He's afraid of intimacy. Maybe he's <gasps> too virile. Are you Worf. saying that Worf is afraid of intimacy? He's afraid of intimacy. Do you have any evidence besides this? <laughs> um, well, he, yeah, I think the, that, that relationship with uh, Susie Plaxon and the other one. I will concur. You better play that theme. We're all the best. Oh, I ran oh, playing the no. long one. Just gonna have to sit there. Okay. Data just pretending to be so dim. I think it's dim. I like how he incorporates no your early theories into yeah. the song. Least of all and adds his own about the cat. <laughs> oh wait, what? <laughs> You gotta give the people what they want. (laughs) Okay, everybody. So they're in 10 forward, just enjoying some prune juice. And uh, God, I can't. Sometimes I want to say something, and I don't know if it's a spoiler. For the later in the episode or later? Later in in the series. Do you want me to? Oh, it's for everyone else, too. Um, That I feel like. This is not a spoiler. I feel like avoid spoilers. If you want to play the trailer, I feel like that's okay. They know when it's coming at the end of the podcast. That's on them. You can turn it off before we. Here's get to the what trailer. I'm gonna say. I don't think this okay. is a spoiler, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But, okay. but close your ears if you don't even want to take a chance. Worf's love of prune juice. Okay, will continue for the rest of his prune prune life. <laughs> that, that's not a spoiler. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> thank God. You know, no, it's no, hard. It's I don't know anymore. No, I hear you. No, I hear you. Nothing I've seen before. Is it a wormhole? Yes and no. Like a time displacement, but it does not have a discernible event horizon. Sir, navigational subsystems are unable to give coordinates on the object. Confirmed. The phenomenon does not... Here's my question, right? Okay. Um, do you find that sometimes, on Star Trek particularly, uh-huh. the score will be ahead of the story? In a in a disconcerting way, you're saying? Yeah, like this is the Enterprise. Okay, there's a cool temporal rift that the bridge is looking at. Uh huh. These people shouldn't be feeling this right now. You know what I mean? Like, and we're having the most ominous music Star Trek can afford to play. I think that is standard, and I think that part of the reason is because it's helpful story-wise, particularly in teasers, because we've seen so many terrible teasers. For, for TNG to kind of go, I know it seems like Wesley's just going on a date, but something's going to go wrong. So I think it's that. And in this case, isn't it effective? Because it really is going to be freaking crazy pants what happens. All right. So Andy, that's why you're here. So, yes, I think it is ahead of the story, but I think it works for to it. To answer my questions. Yeah. Definable center or outer edge. Are you saying it is and yet it isn't there? I do not have sufficient information to make an analysis as yet, Commander. The dynamics of the radiation pattern... Captain. Something's happening. A new change in sensor readings. Mr. Data? So smart. 
Now, uh, that's worth delivering a little sensor. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's been pointed out by our listeners, the, uh, the differences in pronunciation of sensor or sensor. Um, but just the setup of this shot that is repeated later so you know, you know, which timeline you're in. It's just, oh, man. By the way, this is the uh, good effect. And you'll notice that the collar immediately different yes now do you like these uh uniforms Mm -hmm. more than the standard enterprise d uniforms like a full collar situation i guess say i do but that's probably my my tendency to like the more militaristic oh sure sure, sure. well i like the most militaristic of all the uniforms which is that is true that castillo is wearing right now we're gonna get it we are gonna get into it john cooley Buckle up, everybody. John sent in a lengthy explanation that I was like, this is so long. But uh, just by looking at how long the text was, and then I read it, and I was like, oh, this is all great information. Yeah. So uh, Picard now sees what looks like a ship, and we can't tell what it is. What are their sensors? And boom, look at this. Andy, it's Tasha Yar. I know you probably were annoyed that this episode was spoiled the... the two minute and 52 second mark where you see her alive i think i would have been more shocked and those are the kind of reasons why i avoid spoilers oh i see that being said but it happens so quick yeah but still like that they they clearly structured it so you're looking at wharf and then you're suddenly looking at tasha yar so you can can you imagine if you didn't see it coming yeah i get oh man here we go anyway still incredibly well handled i'm getting too much interference captain Now, I love all the subtle touches here of the war room and the fact that it's now essentially a mess hall Mm -hmm. uh, with metal plates, uh, a confused Guinan. Yeah. And I love that all of these crewmen's are crewmen's. Crewmen. <laughs> crewmen's and crew women's. Crewmen's and crew women's are running around with uh, season one uniforms with uh, magic sashes on. Oh, are they? These are season one uniforms? Yeah, these are all season, all these, uh, all these non-collar it's uniforms. Changed. These are the season one, season two uniforms. And there she is. What, what I think is the, is the best looking yeah. of the Enterprises. It's the Enterprise C. It's the Ambassador class ship. It is the perfect marriage of the Enterprise D and the uh, Enterprise A refit. Yeah. Um, I just I love it. I it's, love this ship. It's a sweet looking ship. I will agree with you. Yeah. It's clearing now, Captain. I do like this Federation quite starship. A bit. Accessing registry. I love how dark it all is. <laughs> the bridge. NCC one seven zero one C. USS Enterprise. That's a f- now. How do you feel about that cold open, my oh friend? My God, oh my God, this was amazing. <laughs> this was so good. Oh wow! To hear Andy excited about Star Trek for oh really crap balls. Honestly, I think the first time. Jesus, it was so perfect. Well, that's a perfect teaser. It has everything. It set up the characters. It set up the characterizations. You have a big turn with Tasha Yar coming back. 
and uh, and then they're meeting themselves. Well, uh, not themselves. They're meeting uh, another Enterprise from God knows when. It is really something of a... Uh, Can you think about all the teasers we've watched where virtually nothing happens? I know. This is like five big plot turns that were like... And then aren't incoherent. They aren't packed in. Right. They took their time with each thing. Totally. Oh, so good. Uh, so the... Um, the, the ambassador class, although I don't know if this is like interesting to people. Eh, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> 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 whatever. Okay, the ambassador class is a heavy cruiser. Okay. Uh, and it was... I just want to talk a little bit about the design of it. Uh-huh. Uh, hang on. Just, I'm so sorry, everybody. Okay. The Enterprise D, or rather, the Enterprise C uh, is 1,720 feet long. Okay. So it uh, has a, uh, when you see them up against each other, the Enterprise C and D, they're correct. Um, there was some misconceptions on which actual uh, length it was because the Star Trek Encyclopedia said it was 526 meters long, uh, and then, but the actual design schematics, whatever. Anyway, I'm so sorry, everybody. This should be more like enjoyable for me to plow through all of this. There's so much happening. Uh, you think you're just a page of stats about this? There's just so, yeah. Uh, the Ambassador class. The, the so Ambassador sorry. class is the Enterprise C? Yes. Okay. What? What is it? Which was the USS Ambassador with the registry number of NCC 1052. Oh, interesting. One. Sorry. 1051. Uh, the ship was mentioned in the writer's technical manual. Uh and uh, the registry number was NX10521, which is what they do for prototypes. Uh-huh. Uh, it occurs, uh, you see it again in the DS9 episode Emissary. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, I, I just gen- genuinely love the design of this ship. It's the blend of the two things I love most, which is movie error Enterprise A. And the Enterprise D. I'm talking L cars, buttons. I'm talking dark lighting, and I'm talking just a just a gorgeous frame. I love the dark lighting. Uh, I have a question. I love the L cars, buttons. Yeah. Um, I have a question. I'm not sure if it's a spoiler or if I even know the answer already. Do we know what the Enterprise B was? We know what the Enterprise B was because the, all of the ships are on the wall of the observation lounge. I guess in terms, all of the Enterprise in terms of are. canon, have we seen it up to this point? We have seen it in the background, but we haven't seen it. We haven't physically in seen story. It. We don't physically see it. Do we ever see it in the story? In Star Trek Generations, we see Star Trek it. Generations. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Um, I guess spoiler. Yeah, that's reasonable. <laughs> Listen. Um, that's a it's a great ship, the Excelsior class ship. Um, okay, okay, here we go. Four days ago. Also, uh, a side note: it's so smart 
in addition to setting up Worf at the beginning and that it's like if you're just tuning on this thing then he's a Klingon and you know you know for people who are just tuning in like oh they're friends with Klingons Klingons are part of the Starfleet but beyond that you give Michael Dorn his scene at the beginning of the episode because you're not going to see him in the rest of the episode really smart I like it I like that a lot yeah okay here we go this is about those uniforms when we run out of episodes which will be never we should rank the best teasers oh that's interesting Yes, Andy. The literal answer is in 17 years. Uh, Almost the time that the Enterprise C jumped forward in time. But that's not the end, though, because by the time we get through that, who knows how many iterations of Star Trek this podcast will never end. If we came back from the future now. Oh, there you go. Would we send ourselves back to the future? Okay. When the Enterprise C, this is from John Cooley, when the Enterprise C shows up out of the blue, the uniforms uh, change. Ever-budget-conscious TNG costume designer Robert Blackman came up with the idea of altering the cast standard duty uniforms by adding different collar design, loosely based on Kirk's Admiral Kirk's collar from the motion picture. He also added a sharp-looking black pointed cuff to the uniform sleeves, a compl- and to complete the fresh martial look, adding an ornate silver opalescent phaser weapons belt. So Some of which even had a bandolier. Uh, these additions were simple and super effective in selling the idea that these uniforms were from a different time and one where the Federation was at war. I wonder what the bandolier is for. What are you putting in there? Eh, probably thermal detonators. <laughs> That's a little Star Warsy for yeah, us. Come on, buddy. But what would they use? <laughs> do they have <laughs> nice? Do uh, they have uh, what are the grenades in the in the Star Trek universe? As far as I know, it's overloading a phaser. <laughs> uh, Doesn't seem very practical. And then we have the USS Enterprise crew on the sea. Uh, we see the Wrath of Khan uniforms, so uh, great, still in service, which makes sense. The Wrath of Khan era uniform is the longest serving Starfleet uniform, clocking in at around eighty years of service. So they were exactly the Wrath of Khan uniforms. They weren't. Um, they're a little they different. Adjusted. Here we go. Oh, here he's going to go into it. The Enterprise C service Wrath of Khan uniform consists of the standard pant jacket style tunic, department colored straps, and it would seem that the Wrath of Khan era ch- officer's chest insignia badge is reserved for the captain of the ship only. The ornate uh, Wrath of Khan rank insignia uh, devised by Bob Fletcher is still in service as well. And the uniforms seem to have the ability to incorporate a holster for a Starfleet issue phaser directly onto the jacket. Uh, at the end of the episode, having returned to the proper timeline, Geordi and Guinan share a moment in 10 Forward where Guinan asks Geordi about Tasha Yar. If you look carefully, Geordi's uniform is the uniform from the altered timeline. A hint that perhaps something from the alternate timeline may have stuck around. This is at the end? Or it's just a costuming error. <laughs> yeah. Which it is. Uh, and one last thing. We talk more about the Wrath of Khan uniforms uh, without the turtleneck, which is sort of what we see uh-huh. uh, whenever we see those old uniforms again. If they're ever like, if you're ever seeing someone that's between Star Trek VI and Next Generation, uh-huh. they're using, they're wearing Wrath of Khan uniforms without the uh, puffy white I undershirt. That's probably a good choice. Those puffy white undershirts. I like the puffy white blue undershirt. Yeah, like we like have different tastes. Anyway, back years. into the show. John, make mine without the puffy white undershirt. Well, you just it order it separately. Captain. If that hypothesis is correct, the phenomenon we have just encountered would be a temporal rift in space. A rift? 
possibly the formation of a curl loop from superstring material. It would require high energy interaction in the vicinity for such a structure to be formed. The rift is certainly not stable, Captain. This is some great lighting. So nice. This is like, I know people probably, I don't know. I, I get like having the ship bright so you can see everything when you're watching the television show, but this bridge lighting and the bridge lighting in Star Trek Generations, which mm. is also directed by the same David Carson. Yeah. Uh, I love the, I love that lighting. It could collapse at any time. I would say the lighting is one of the things that put me off about the show in the beginning unconsciously. Too bright for you. Yeah. Weirdly, the original series bridge was not too bright for you. Well, the original series was so... It had such a primitive kind of submarine feel on the Mm. the bridge that Mm -hmm. I think that counterbalanced. Yeah. Able to scan the interior of the ship now, sir. Heavy damage to warp field nacelles and hull bearing struts. Internal space frame. Life science, Captain. Readings are sporadic. It looks like they have massive casualties, but some are still alive. Bridge to sick bay. Emergency teams. Stand by transporter rooms. Understood. Belay that order, Doctor. I love Captain Picard captaining here. Totally. Even in this alternate timeline, he's smarter than everybody. Well, this is what I... The other Respectfully. Thing, this is, yeah. I love this. Oh. Go ahead and play If I may suggest, regardless of where they came from, they are here now and they need our help. Commander, if that ship has traveled into the future, we could be dealing with variables that will alter the flow of our history. So this is an ongoing thing we see in this episode, is Riker being just full-on snippy, pissed-off Riker, and uh, and Picard being full-on badass, kind of like just in command at every second. Yeah. Because he feels the full weight of the situation and the war. Yeah. And I would say that the same is true of Riker, although it's interesting that the characterization is Riker to be more of the antagonist to Picard in a war situation than he is in a peace situation where he just generally backs him up and doesn't countermand a single Here's the interesting directive. thing about this, right? It's almost like they should be... Here's the little futz with a perfect, nearly perfect episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh-huh. Here's a presuppose for you guys. Listen to me and think about it. Okay. Their characterizations should be flipped. Uh-huh. Here's why. All right. Picard is in his 20-something year of Starfleet. Okay. Picard joined Starfleet when it was an exploration, science, peacekeeping fleet. Uh-huh. Right? That's right. when he joined Starfleet. Yeah. Everybody else seemingly joined Starfleet when this war started. Uh-huh. Right? So you, the warmongering of it all and the, the, the worry about, like, altering the timeline uh-huh. seems like a very Star Trek... Federation way to think. Uh-huh. The worry of altering the timeline. Uh-huh. Whereas the other way of like we've got to help our soldiers seems more like a post-military situation. Like a post-militarization uh, of the Federation. I think every thing you're saying uh, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I have uh, uh, some counter thoughts. Um, Did you write them down? Uh, no, but I have them in my head. Um, which is, well, I have, I have some of them written down. 
Um, <laughs> I just want to be honest. Why did I even ask? I don't Why know. I even it's, it's, it's trying a to discredit me. No, no, no. Me. It's not that I was trying to discredit you. I was impressed. Oh, I, I know. was impressed that I had said something that was somehow on topic to what you had written down. Uh, no, I think it's. I think everything you're saying is really an interesting counterpoint. Here's my take on it. Yeah, I think it makes sense, and I was impressed because I feel like uh, Picard. The essential thing that is true about Picard in both timelines is he is the ultimate captain. He is he is the ultimate in commandability. And so if you're in a peacetime exploration situation, his brain wraps around that scenario. Yeah. And if you're in a combat situation, by the way, they had this amazing detail of calling it combat date instead of star date at the beginning. Um, then your brain wraps around that situation. And so here he is just... Even more, like kind of the way we saw him at the beginning in Farpoint, we see him as just very firm and very like decisive and um, and just the ultimate good of Starfleet in the war and the the success of, of the most survival of the species is the most important thing and everything else is secondary. And that points me to how that would affect Riker, who's a second in command, and Riker would have viewed him as we do, as we see Janeway having to make in several situations, making many more life and death situations that would have led to the deaths of many, many crewmen mm-hmm. and allies over time. And he would have disagreed with many of them, and that would have made him very antagonistic to a lot of his command decisions and made him even more butting heads with him. Whereas you're not under that level of, uh, of, um, challenge you're under a, a huge level of challenge in in our in in the in the regular timeline but not that level of challenge where it's like well people are going to die here and people are going to die here and i have to choose the thing that i think is going to be best for the overall benefit of starfleet that's the kobayashi maru exactly and i have a feeling you're gonna step on riker's toes at various points I also like to think that Riker is just essentially more of a humanist, and that is the thing that drives his internal motivations. And it's just his personality is going to be under much greater fire, literally and figuratively, in this universe than it's going to be in the other universe. I will also say one other thing. Um, there is a huge distinction between this timeline and the other timeline in that Deanna Troy is nowhere to be seen in this timeline. I think rightfully so. Do you think she's dead? Oh, I think they deliberately couldn't justify putting a therapist on the bridge of this warship. Well, I think that's true, although I have, a, I have, a, I have an opinion on what they should have done with her there. But, uh, but uh, that, to me, is also very interesting in did Deanna Troy have a leavening influence on Riker's personality? Because he's kind of... Oh, so you're saying previous to their serving on the Enterprise? Yeah. I presuppose the following. Okay. And I don't think it's ever really been discussed. I would love to know. I, w- I would love to dig into and all from the non stuff about this here, From episode. what I'm hearing here, well, I mean, like, wondering if it's been discussed. It was discussed in the writer's room. Oh, okay. But they only worked on it for three days in yeah, the final draft, so I, don't, I think That's we, crazy! I think you and I just talked about it more than they did. Fair enough. Um, but uh, I always presupposed that there was just no either. She was at Starfleet Medical being mm-hmm. a psychiatrist helping everyone with PTSD or she never left Beta Z because it was war Troy time. yeah uh, or Loxana I mean probably wouldn't let her wouldn't leave go yeah wouldn't let um her. yeah and that uh, the the thing that I was going to su- suggest like cuz it all like what I like about the P 
period of time they chose. Yeah. What I like the most about it is that all of these people were born. Do you know what I mean? Uh huh. So there's no like, well, they wouldn't have been born. There's none of that timeline bullshitty stuff. Right. Um, so what I like about this is that, in fact, yeah, Troy Troy was alive, and it all tracks that Loxana met her husband, who was a Federation officer, uh-huh. and uh, Troy was born, and then this war started. Right. And then Loxana was like, no, but with her mind. <laughs> Uh, fair enough, uh, but my theory, my not theory, my uh, creative uh, interest would have been as as I think it's been with many of my complaints about Diana is she is on the ship and she's used in a tactical in a tactical way. So it's like the, there's a there's a cloaked Romulan off the or the cloaked Klingon off the bow of the whatever over the and and so she'd be able to sense stuff. She'd be able to know what they're gonna do. Oh, she'd be able to sense and be like they're here. Yeah, and they're gonna attack. Etc. Hmm. In three seconds, um, so I think that would have been great, and it did raise the question in my head, which I don't know if we've addressed before. Um, well, then why wouldn't the Federation just have a Beta Zit on every bridge? Well, that was my question: is can't she sense cloaked ships, and doesn't that bump with a lot of stuff we've seen? I mean, you'd think she'd be able to sense that presence, right? Yeah. I don't know, but the, again, her range is so inconsistent. Right, but we've definitely seen her. We don't know how many stuff from people who are like kilometers out away. They are. Yeah, it's all over the place. So, anyhow, all very interesting. And I, bottom line is, I love the the. It feels organically and intuitively right to have Riker bumping heads with Picard in this high tension situation. And but I was saying prior to Andy saying that was that I think that is correct but just flip their attitudes. And I think that's also a valid perspective. But then Andy uh, made a lot of good points. He's sending out a distress call, sir. Audio only. Uh-huh. This is uh-huh. Captain Garrett of the Starship Enterprise. To any Federation ship, we have been attacked by Romulan warships and require immediate assistance. We've lost warp drive. Life support is failing. There's no record of the Romulans ever assaulting the Enterprise seat. Voice message is ended, Captain. I'm only receiving their automated distress signal now. I know this because I took Enterprise history in <laughs> Starfleet Academy. Open a hailing frequency. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation of uh, Federation Starship. Stand by to receive emergency teams. Commander, we will handle this one step at a time. Stabilize their power systems, attend to their injured, and avoid all discussions of where and when they are. Aye, sir. Lieutenant... Captain, message coming in from Starfleet monitor stations. Klingon battlecruisers headed toward this sector. Battle alert, Mr. Crusher. Condition yellow. Aye, sir. All right, so they're going to go over to the inter- bridge of the Enterprise C. Yeah. Uh, which we get to see. It's a redressed version. It's a redress of the Enterprise A's Away bridge. Waiting reporting in, Captain. On screen. Go ahead, Commander. We've stabilized life support. Forge is working on restoring the main power coupling. That'll take time. It's a real mess down here, sir. Survivors? 125. Recommendations? I'd hate to have to scrap her. Starfleet could certainly use another ship, even if she is old. Agreed, but we can't stay in this area too long. You have nine hours. If you can get her underway by then, we'll escort her to Starbase 105. If not, we'll evacuate the survivors and destroy the ship. Understood, sir. Keep me posted. Got out. 
They have had it with each other. You think that's what you're, yeah, that's what you're getting there? They are on each other's last nerve. <laughs> you don't buy it? Maybe just, he's just frustrated. That, I just uh, like that they need the ships. Yeah, maybe. I and like then, that. And then here she is. Everybody's favorite uh, Alorian. Gynon. That's right. You answered correctly, Patrick Stewart. It's Gynon. Somehow this... This is all wrong. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Are you asking for another promotion? (laughs) All right, you're promoted to head bartender. (laughs) I love this shot. The C and the D. Just the C and the D right next to each other. I look at people and they just don't feel right. What things? What people? I think this is... Conversation for your therapist. Have you seen Troy? <laughs> I haven't either. Is she dead? You. Your uniform. The bridge. What's your the matter with the bridge? Stupid face. It's not right. It's the same bridge. Nothing has changed. I know that. What do you think I of this situation that's happening right now? I think it's genius. I think this is a perfect use of Guinan. This is what I've been longing for. Interesting. Does this bother you? No, I thought it would bother you. Because it's unexplained? Yeah. But it's intuitively correct. I think that's what the whole, all my complaints about Q are that they feel, sometimes they feel intuitively perfect. Like, I like him losing his powers as a general thought. And sometimes they seem sort of haphazard and and serving whatever it is they need to happen story-wise or comedically in that moment. Yeah. Whereas this feels like that makes sense that her powers wouldn't be so great that it's like, well, why isn't she using that crap all the time? But it also makes sense why they would want her on the ship and why she's an important part of it. And it fits her personality that she'd kind of have an intuitive sense of this kind of thing, that something is off in the timeline and that the Illyrian's power is to stay consistent so they know when something's wrong, which also is would re- mean why, would explain why the Q are frightened of them because they have this internal sensor of of something that is beyond the illusions that the cues can create, um, it just all adds up. You're writing quite a backstory. I, I really it. well to me that's that's what's that that is the kind of I don't need things. I to mean, be, how do you feel about her losing her planet to the Borg? In what sense? Like, does that track with your what powers you're giving the Elorians? Um, I would like a little bit more information about that particular situation, but I, but it but I can fit in. I can it could fit in in the sense of that they're not a warlike race, so theoretically, mm-hmm. um, the the Borg are so mechanized that their intuitive don't powers don't necessarily aren't a defense. Yeah. All right. So no, it's wrong. What else? families there should be children on the ship what children on the enterprise interestingly the same way he feels in the main timeline Guinan we're at war no we're not at least we're not supposed to be this is not a ship of war this is a ship of peace What you're suggesting. I'm not suggesting. 
That ship from the past is not supposed to be here. It's got to go back. Back to the future. <laughs> no, oh, sorry. Back to the past. Gotta go. Buddy, we gotta go back to the past. Uh, I love the reuse of the crewman uniforms, too. Of the, uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, they just walk by. Anyway. Try to relax is my only medical ability. You know what we did not discuss? I gotta say, I love Gates McFadden in this one, too. I feel like she's she shifts her... At, I feel like everybody is on point in this episode. But what we didn't discuss okay. was the following moment. Okay. Picard orders them not to tell anyone that they're from the Enterprise. Yeah. And... The bridge crew is dead. She has a bad fracture and serious internal injuries. I'm going to have to get her back to the Enterprise. <laughs> we'll explain, we'll explain now, Commander. We're from a Federation starship. We answered your distress call. Your ship is in good hands, but we need to get you to an I mean, day. our enterprising group of medical <laughs> officers. Isn't that right, Dr. Crusher? <laughs> um... So that just fits that your theory woman, of her not being th- graded. This Medicine. friggin', I guess we're gonna we're gonna hear more of her. Captain Garrett, Trisha O'Neill, played by Trisha O'Neill, who you know had a million credits, was a journeyman actress, and just had a, you know, and was a, was a, in many other Star Trek things, which you can look up. Um, just great. The guest cast, her and Christopher McDonald. Of course, well known for Thelma and Louise and as Shooter McGavin and Happy Gilmore. No one, no one, no ever, one knows Shooter McGavin. No, no one ever goes with Thelma and Louise. No, I it's know. always Shooter McGavin. That's why I started Thelma and Louise. <laughs> um, just the, the, uh, Matt and I know, uh, being professional television comedy writers, every guest person you bring on, nine times out of ten. Because they're not, you know, they haven't been regulars. They haven't. They're not into the. They don't know. They're not how in it's the done. flow of the show. They, they don't, don't know bother the, watching the show before they show up. Of course up. not. They don't care. It's. It's generally they're a little off base. I mean, we've certainly seen it in a million, not a million, in several episodes of Next Generation already. These both of these people easily could be the leads on their own Star Trek show. You could easily take these two and do an Enterprise C show. She's amazing. Let's Trisha O'Neill. Well, might be too late. Who knows what <laughs> Trisha O'Neill's doing now? But uh, Trisha O'Neill is a badass. She's on target when she faces off with Patrick Stewart. Stay on target. Just great. Right? That's a second Star Wars right. reference in this hour. Yeah. Rachel Garrett, how's my ship? The support systems are being restored. Continuing repairs. I like what they did with the uh, sick day, too. Look at the collar point. That's what uh, John was talking about, this little collar point. Oh, Not a, little, a thing a that's more. on there. Another little touch. It's funny that in that, other, in that other timeline, they were like, yeah, our, our uniforms aren't threatening enough. Give it a little point there. What's the last thing you remember? We were answering the distress signal. Distress signal? You must have heard it. She didn't say Allurians, did she? From no. Klingon outpost. Marinder 3. Not Marinder 3. But you didn't. Did you? This sick bay, I've never seen anything like it, even on the Starbase. And your uniform. What ship is this, Captain? 
this is great. The unfolding of information in a way where she's a sharp, Starfleet trained captain and is able to absorb what's going on and then make jumps in logic yeah. without it being this this endless spilling out of exposition. Just brilliant writing. And I like the whole, like, looking at the uniform. Yeah. And mentioning it. And the room. Yeah. Please try to be still. That's all I know how to do is... I must insist. I gotta go. I'm making soup? Is that what I do? <laughs> aboard the Enterprise, Captain 1701-D. You have come 22 years into the future. D. 22 years. So they're still doing that weird thing where they're not changing the number off the line. Does my crew know yet? No. I must tell them I owe them that. If you wish, I can see that they're informed. Is there some reason they should not be told? I am concerned that if you return to your own time with knowledge of the future... Return to the battle? We barely escaped with our lives. If we returned, we'd be destroyed. How would you feel about one week earlier? <laughs> Wink! <laughs> any idea? How this Have you ever seen Back to the Future? Have you ever seen Star Trek Four? <laughs> no? Okay. There were these whales. Fierce volley of photon torpedoes, we were hit. Bright light, and then here. It is possible that this exchange of fire was the catalyst for the formation of a temporal rift. History has no record of your battle with the Romulans. We were responding to a distress call from the Klingon outpost on Narendra 3. The Romulans were attacking it. We engaged them. But there were four warbirds. The Narendra Three outpost was destroyed. It is regrettable that you did not succeed. A Federation starship rescuing a Klingon outpost might have averted 20 years of war. Buckle up, everybody. We're out of the act. We have so much information. We're now ready to engage in the rest of the story. Oh, my God. Every mood. There's not a misstep in this episode. Eh. Except for that long bath scene with Data. Very strange. Oh, that was in your copy, too? (laughs) Um, For me, the only misstep is them not having the white turtleneck on underneath. Oh, get out of here. This is how long is this after start the, the last uniforms we saw? Uh, you mean like after Star Trek Six? Yeah. This is twa- 60 years? So they're gonna <laughs> recognize them. What are the stats on the main phaser banks? Emitters available, sixty percent forward, fifty-two percent aft. Good. Forty-five. <laughs> what? Do you know what you're what's the- talking about? You said stats, right? It's forty-five? <laughs> What's your uh, name again? Okay. Uh, Shooter McGavin. <laughs> Let's take a look at the torpedo launchers. He, he looks like, in that moment when Tasha Yar says, Let's take a look at the torpedo launchers, uh, Christopher McDonald looks like, I don't know how to tell her. I don't know what a torpedo launcher is. <laughs> like, that look, that's like, de- that delivered as such like I'm going to tell you that's what's going to happen next he's going to yeah. say that and you're going to watch his performance and think he nailed it forward 52% aft good 
Let's take a look at the torpedo launchers. <laughs> like that's what's happening, right? It's not love, Larry Nemechek. Is that where the Castillo is the Beverly Crusher of the Enterprise C? I have something to tell you, Tasha. I'm the reason we were almost destroyed. <laughs> they said fire torpedoes. And I, and I gotta be honest, I don't know where they are. I'm the helmsman. I was hired. I drive the ship because I am an Admiral's golf pro. <laughs> I spend more time in the sand than David Hasselhoff. Um. That'd be really fun if that was what was happening. Sure, but it's not. It's not what's happening at all. I guess I'm lucky to be alive at all. You may not like the future. It's been a long war. The Federation has lost more than half of Starfleet to the Klingons. We were negotiating a peace treaty when I left. A lot of changes, Lieutenant. A lot of changes. Huh. All right. Well, I we guess I can break, tell you now. You I break. don't know what you're what we're doing here. <laughs> Is this? Am I should I be leaning here? <laughs> Fill me in on some of them. Photon banks are depleted. Cake. Auxiliary fusion generators are down. You just piqued my interest, pal. There is a high degree of probability that the temporal rift is symmetrical, Captain. Then what would happen if the Enterprise C were to fly back through it? Back, sir. The Enterprise C would emerge in her own time. I feel like that's a little bit of a weird move, right? Data's different. Or is, are they just being like, let's make Data a little different? That Data's a little bit more robotic? Data's discovered 27 years before the far point, right? Okay. It's hard for me to know what we know and what we don't know. What do, what do you feel? What do you feel is different? What strikes you here? Because um, I think I have an opinion. What strikes me here is his programming, uh-huh. uh, and the fact that he just questioned his captain and just went back, sir. Because yeah, I, I think data, data, data would just answer the question. This is nitpicking on a great episode. I hear what That's you're all saying, I'm doing. but isn't it also possible that it's just um, no. data being no. No. Data being just, no. just, no. He, just hear me out. Uh, that's possibly just data being doing one of those situations where he's like, "Oh, I don't understand," so I'm going to ask a question that seems obvious to you. Isn't it like one of those situations? He didn't say processing. <laughs> um, I was gonna. I thought you were talking about his performance, which is he's a little bit like everyone else, is a little bit harder. I really love. It really seems like every person made a decision about how they were going to play the nuances of their character differently. He's playing his character a little bit more robotic and a little bit more on task all the time, and I think that adds up because he would have spent less time in this reality interacting in a casual basis and having all that fucking stuff with him playing the violin and everything. Well, that's what I'm saying about I disagree. Well, I don't disagree. You're correct. Mm-hmm. But I but my thought is that they find him before the war starts. Right? 
So he's already been programmed by Sung not to kill, have this moral well, that, code. Blah, that may blah, be blah, true, blah. but it wasn't. It would have been but at I least twenty-two. Going to join Starfleet. It would have right? been at least twenty-two years of human interaction and growth and softening of his of his exterior personality that would have happened. I'll allow it. Hooray! Right in the middle of the battle with the Romulans. Yes, sir. Is there any possibility she could survive? None, sir. Then sending them back would be a death sentence. Also, if it's like totally two ways and we send them back, don't don't you think that time would have passed on that end also? No? Okay. You're sure? Because what you just said to me. <laughs> right. So the battle's over. The Romulans have destroyed the outpost and they're sending them back. But was it, isn't you know the, what I mean? If it's both ways, it, if it's not instantaneous, you know, if, not, if they're not going to go back to exactly where the point they came from, I see, which I assume is what's happening. So it is weird. It's not like a tiny millisecond in time, or even less. Yeah, you like know the rift doesn't appear. You're exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I buy. All right. So let's say it. Let's say time moves differently on both sides of the spectrum. Okay. Both sides of the wormhole. Uh-huh. Then I'm fine. All right. Act break. Everyone's going to die. Data doesn't even venture to answer that one. Uh, and then uh, here's a little uh, side note: as uh, we're in a little bit of an act break, uh, I don't know if anybody else heard it. Certainly, Secunda's ears were piqued when he heard Doctor Salar report Null G Ward stat over the PA. Oh, I heard that and didn't process it. Uh huh. You know what I did? I was like, who's Dr. Salar? Like, That's literally Dr. what I thought. Salar? I forgot I forgot about Dr. Salar. Where's the pretty Vulcan? All right. Now there's uh, some good walk and talk or a walk and flirt. I think it's weird that Crosby comes back and she spends all of her time on screen with another guest star. She doesn't, get, she doesn't get to like enjoy being back with the crew. But it doesn't, it, it didn't bump It doesn't me. feel weird at all. No. Yeah. And that's a that's a testament to Christopher McDonald again. I like that the dreamy I Chris like, By the way, I like that the door sound is the old door sound. Oh, is it a different door sound? Like it's like they didn't bother upgrading yeah. the door actuators. They, they just decided to spend more money on phasers. Yeah, they didn't make it more luxurious. Galaxy class warship built by the Federation. Lieutenant, forty-two decks, capable of transporting over six thousand troops. How long have you been on board? Four years. Straight out of the academy. Right from the rape planet. Straight out of the academy. She's a lieutenant? Well, uh, you're For, saying... In four years? Yeah, well, you would also... Going along with that, Wesley is wearing a full uh, full command yeah. uh, uniform, isn't he? Yeah. So I, my, my theory is that in... in um, you're getting more promotions because there's more yeah, stuff exactly. to do. Exactly. You're, you're getting but your medal tested constantly. She's also a lieutenant, but she's a lieutenant in the regular timeline. So... This is crazy to me. She's getting posted to the Enterprise as a lieutenant out of the academy? No, isn't she's been here four years. In this reality, right? Yeah. So are we saying that the Enterprise Maybe the Enterprise was launched earlier in this timeline? I'm not following what you're saying. I'm saying in Star Trek in the episode Skin of Evil. Okay. She's a lieutenant already? A she's lieutenant. a lieutenant, you Okay. All right. In the episode Encounter of Farpoint. Yeah. She's Lieutenant Yor. So you're saying she has not been promoted since then? I'm saying she left Starfleet Academy as a lieutenant. Oh, I see. You're going backward in time and counting 
so that she's already a lieutenant coming out of yeah that's valid maybe she went to officer school I'll buy it <laughs> I was lucky to get the Enterprise yeah me too that's what the Academy is I mean my Enterprise is it yeah I mean you have the Academy and then you have regular Starfleet which is what Chief O'Brien went to uh-huh. so he's an enlisted man you know he's not a officer right but Chief man. O'Brien's rank is the most confusing thing in the history of Star Trek. <laughs> it's just an he, accident every which way. He, he mouthed off to a lot of people. He keeps getting demoted and promoted. Listen to the door. Yeah. Did you hear? Oh, it's, yeah, it's total old school. <laughs> Guys, we don't, we don't even have doors like that in the Admiral's Club. Lieutenant, how's the ship? We've restored minimal shields in the Ford Phaser Banks. Still no photon launchers or warp drive. Also, I don't plan on showering. <laughs> How are you? Concentrate on the weapon system. What Captain Picard told me, the Federation can use all the help it can get. And soon. Our sensors have picked up Klingon warships in the sector, Captain. Why wasn't I informed, Mr. Castillo? Because you still have a hole in your officer, leg? I want you to be my liaison to the Enterprise D. Coordinate with tactical. That's me, Captain. Where do you think you're going? I'm resuming my duties, Doctor. Captain, you need at least another 24 hours. Nonsense. Doctors always overprotect their patients. And captains always push themselves too hard. Doctor, my ship and my crew need me now. 24 hours might as well be 24 years. So good. Good for you, Trisha McNeil. Like they say in Jaws. But 24 hours is like three weeks. (sighs) At what point do they say that when they're out there? That's when the mayor's going to... Oh, with uh, when Chief Brody says we're gonna we're gonna close the beaches, I'll close the beaches, and then the mayor pipes up and goes, "Oh!" oh when they all start murmuring, it's like right. only twenty four hours, only twenty four hours, and then yeah. an extra yells, or some ADR person yells, <laughs> <Some ADR laughs> "But twenty four hours is like three weeks." Yeah, it's part of the many nuances of the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> God, I love Jaws. Guys, tune in for Andy and I's new podcast. Jaws enough. Isn't there also an ADR when uh, Richard Dreyfus goes up and he goes, it's a tiger shark. And the other guy goes, a oh, what? A <laughs> uh, what? This felt like ADR to me. Uh, no, that that's that guy. Um, I would love to do. It's not the writer, is it? No, the writer is uh, Chris uh, is Gottlieb. So actually both writers, right? Peter Benchley's in it right. as the news reporter. Right. Uh, doing the TV news bit. Right. And Carl Gottlieb, who's the co-writer, used to be the president of the WGA up until pretty recently. Yeah. Uh, Carl Gottlieb is the uh, other reporter, the reporter reporter. Oh, okay. Who's got, they've got ads in all the, in the Gazette and the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> this has been your Jaws this moment. This has been your Jaws <laughs> moment. Jawsin, Jawsin with Jaws? John. 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 John Jaws. John. John about Jaws? John John Jaws. What if I was named John Jaws? I'm saying John as though we're John. No, no, I'm John. saying, yeah, but I'm saying, what if my name was J O H N, right? J A W. Right. S. I feel John like Jaws. That would be often commented on in conversation and would slowly drive you insane. I don't follow. <laughs> uh, so the. Uh, hang on. Jeez. 
<laughs> Just, you, I'm sorry, everybody, but we're going to have to hear 24 hours. It's like three weeks because it's my one of my favorite moments in the dumb How movie. far in are you? Into Jaws? No, into this thing. All right. So this is Peter Benchley. <laughs> oh, you're doing Jaws. What the hell is happening? <laughs> uh, they make him go in the water. and The Kittner kid gets killed. This is silly that they open these beaches because, you know, you're never, you're never going to... They, there's a lot of money on the line, Matt. How are they going? Well, these uh, summer summer dinks come down here in June. You haven't got one thing on here I ordered. Oh, Guys, no, this is a weird... A lot of your connection to Jaws. I didn't even think about that. Carl Gottlieb right there. Oh, there you go. Uh, are you gonna close so the many good actors in this movie. But also, so many wonderful local extras. Sure. Is that $3,000 in cash or check? I don't think that's funny at all. That's my favorite. <laughs> that woman is great. It's private business between you, Fisherman, and Mrs. Kenner. Martin, would you please? Chief if you've never seen Jaws, everyone. Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor and see Jaws. I'm sorry. I'm going to... The Jaws minute is over. Uh, although, I, all of these videos on my uh, old iTunes that I used to carry around on my iPod, uh-huh. uh, including Jaws, I have a lot of Regina Spector videos. And I saw her today at the Sony lot. You did? And I made eye contact with her and I couldn't speak. Matt, you're, you've, you've dealt with all manner of kings and queens. Regina Spector. I was like... And I just kept walking, and then I had to turn to everybody and go, just, that was Regina Spector. Wow, finally found the person that knocks the cocky out of Matt Myra. Oh, it's Regina and Mitch Hurwitz. Huh. And Scott Thompson. Those are the three people I remember being nervous around. I know a lot of people have had mixed experiences with uh, with Mitch Hurwitz. Um, Agreed. Uh, oh, have you? I've, no, I've heard. Oh. I've had a... I've I, had, I only had, met him I've had for, had a month, for a day. Uh, delight. He was uh, lovely. I have a picture of him holding me like a baby. (laughs) You did did me one better, as always. Uh, Is that door again, pal? Are we past 23-ish? I don't know exactly when it is, but it's the conversation between... uh, What do you want? I'll play it. Between Tasha and Castillo, where where she says about the Richard thing. Call me Richard. This one here? First time. It's just that I've never seen anything bother her before. What's a TKL? Standard rations. Food replicators are on minimum power, so everything else is diverted to the defensive systems. So where was I? You've told me more about tactical in an hour than I learned in my last year at the academy. You're going to need it, Lieutenant. Hey. I've known you a whole day now, Lieutenant. I won't salute if you won't. What did she call you? Tasha. Yeah. Most everyone calls me Castillo. My mother calls me Richard. Okay, Castillo. No. I think maybe I'd like it better if you called me Richard. Like my mom? (laughs) What a weird setup to that. (laughs) So weird. And also, like, Castillo, why don't you just fucking call Earth and say hi to your mother? It's only been 22 years. Really true. She's probably like, she's probably 65. Not dead. Hey, mom. (laughs) Everything's cool. I'll see you later. I got a babe over here. 
Um, she reminds me of you. <laughs> I had her call me Richard. What? Just like you, Mom. Um, but I will say this about this whole thing, and it's interesting because uh, trying to post to the Instagram. Oh, two things about the Instagram. <laughs> One thing is, uh, I was posted the Instagram. Been posting something every day. Everyone will note. Um, contrary to the many critiques against me, um, and um, someone uh, just po- for me, right? Well, mostly you, yes, oh, right. but uh, from others too. Oh, okay. um, and and uh, someone commented, Andy, here's maybe what you should do. A very nice poster. Uh, here's what you should do. Why don't you just continue forward? posting in real time so people can post their things and comments and as they're watching the episode and then do kind of throwbacks which is very reasonable but it uh, bumps with my uh, general completist and uh, OCD nature and I said I'm sorry I can't do that it would interfere with the flow of time um, and I don't want to mess with the you know the timeline in history something to that effect before I sat down and watched this episode pretty crazy huh oh I then I watched the episode, and it's all about it. You knew all about temporal paradoxes. Um, but I had a separate thing I was going to say oh. about the Instagram. And I don't, was it Castillo? Castillo. Was it? What's that? Oh, I must have said Siri. I don't remember. Keep going. I wish I could. Oh, I remember what it was. Uh, looking at uh, a lot of Farpoint clips and uh, naked now, now p- clips which is Tasha at her most emotionally unstable, both of those episodes. It's cr- the characterization of Tasha in those early years, which met, led to many Andy's theories about her, um, is insanity. And they come back to this character, not having touched her, but the writing staff is so strong at this point, and Denise Crosby is so in her zone now, they give her something totally grounded to play. She, like, hit on Picard... She had the weird scene where she has sex with Data. Granted, she's under the, the influence of that virus, but still. there's And she falls in love with the, the weird Code of Honor guy. Why are you like, watching those two? Because those are the first several episodes at the beginning. So oh, to go through the Instagram. For the Instagram, exactly. Uh, I see, okay. So, like, her characterization is crazy in terms of her romantic interactions. In this, there's three scenes. So it's slowly built... And in the first one, he hits on her, basically implies, hey, do you want to come and, you know, maybe you can teach me about the future? And she's like, yeah, well, why don't we just keep working since this is a crisis situation. We're at war. And then the second scene, she's worrying about this thing. And then they have a slow connection. And then the third scene, I think, you think, oh, she's going to kiss him because we're, we're basically there. And then this is TV. She still doesn't because it's not appropriate. And she's he's about to go back. And it's only in the last scene that she kisses him and we're dead ready for it to happen and it totally is a, is a normal progression for a character I'm just it's so interesting that you drop this character that was a mess characterization wise into a point in the show when the writers are more on their game and they're f- nailing it the writers are on their game right but also with Tashi Art I think with the whole series, with the whole series, but they I mean, know what the show is. But right? I think it's, it's they know what the show is, and they're never going. If if Star Trek: The Next Generation yeah. season three was season one, uh-huh. you know what I mean? They would never introduce this character in the form in which she was introduced in the first season of TNG. They would be like, "Why does she need to have this backstory? Right? Why does it come out like this? Right? Why is she so uneven?" 
Right. So what they do is they write a fucking character. They yeah. write a badass tactical officer uh-huh. in the way you want your fucking tactical officer to be. Right. That's the that's the end game here. Is like the 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 writers of this episode, I think, wrote her not as Tasha Yar, sexy bridge lady. Right. But wrote her as Tasha Yar, tactical officer. Right. And that's the key difference, I think. I right. think what you were dealing with in the f- front of season one. Right. They were trying to make Jesus to the actress season one, right? She only makes yeah, it through no, eighteen yeah. episodes, something like that. Yeah. Um, the actress. They were trying to make the actress serve a purpose to right. the show, as opposed to the character. Hmm. I see what you're saying, and also like you know they give her the they they start and they fucking in Skin of Evil they flavor her at the beginning yeah. of the episode just so we care like right. they start writing her correctly right and then boom and then she's gone and then and then and then when she comes back it's like oh let's just write a tactical officer in this wartime situation and call it a day interesting do you I don't know if that's if it really was that it just seems so organic and intuitively perfect even based on what we've seen with her before. You don't think there was more thought than that? Or you think it was just organically grew no, out No, I think of- it was organic. I think it was an organic situation where they were like, here's the story we have to tell. Mm-hmm. We can drop all the bullshit baggage of Tasha Yar's character. Yeah. Uh, and to that point, we can drop Troy. Uh, but, like, we can drop all that and we can put her in the situation. Right. And, and then write organically to that. And write organically to a tactical officer in war yeah. on the Enterprise. Right. It, it's really... And just... then you're left with a character that's fucking... It's like it's like Major Kira or it's like... Um, da- like I mean, I, I keep referring to Deep Space Nine a lot because they did war for four years. Mm-hmm. They knew how to do it. I mean, and again, this is... I mean, maybe some of this color is Iris Stephen Bear, mm-hmm. who's the executive producer, showrunner of DS9. Oh, interesting. Who brings in Worf, who starts the fucking Dominion War, who makes Major Nerese right, like yourself, a... watch yourself, watch yourself. <laughs> who makes Major uh, Nerese awesome, and Dax, both Daxes. It's like, you know. Um, the other little detail, uh, in that third scene where you think... Your Jane ways, you know? Is that Iris Bear? No, but I'm just like saying, like of the yeah, strong no. female characters that came after this, you know, it's like Rachel Garrett for me is like Janeway 1.0. Yeah, like I without agree. the love of coffee. I yet. agree. She's very Janeway-ish, um, and I think that's why I really like her. Even headed, even even keeled, knows what she's doing, can think on her feet. I just love the and get on her feet. The vibe of and, command that she immediately instills in the character. To that point, also, I love when a captain says "fuck you" to a doctor. Yeah, and tries to get back up on the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> that's what a captain should do. Yeah, she's got to think about her thing. And I can't ask them to go back. You've got to. This is a great scene, too. and they will die moments after they return. How can I ask them to sacrifice themselves based solely on your intuition? I don't know. But I do know that this is a mistake. Every fiber in my being says this is a mistake. I can't explain it to myself, so I can't explain it to you. I only know that I'm right. 
Who is to say that this history is any less proper than the other? I suppose I am. Not good enough, damn it! Not good enough! I will not ask them to die. Forty billion people have already died. This war is not supposed to be happening. You've got to send those people back to correct this. And what is the guarantee that if they go back, they will succeed? Every instinct is telling me this is wrong, it is dangerous, it is futile. We've known each other a long time. You have never known me to impose myself on anyone or take a stance based on trivial or whimsical perceptions. This timeline must not be allowed to continue. Now, I've told you what you must do. You have only your trust in me to help you decide to do it. Such good writing. Drops the mic and walks out. Those doors. Yeah. Um, although it, it raised an interesting question for me, even though I, you know, I, it made it made sense to me that all right, she, she the Allurians have the are the keepers of this is look, which this, is the right timeline. This is going to be a long episode, but I'm delighted that we have something to talk about on a good episode. Oh yeah, uh, I think people should be enjoying it. They probably I don't. don't they probably didn't enjoy Jaws Corner. <laughs> Jaws Corner is a better name for it. <laughs> um, John Jaws. Jaws Bubble. Um, uh, Jaws Stomach Chamber. Um, the, uh, the the thing I was going to say is, uh, I'm sure this must have been debated endlessly on, on Star Trek forums, but there are alternate dimensions, alternate timelines, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, all through Star Trek canon. So... What is the deal with, like, you know, like, Picard is basically saying, why is this timeline more correct than the other? But I would I would go further to say, don't both timelines exist? And the only thing that's moved over is Guinan? I see what you're saying. So the only thing Guinan's really saying is, this is wrong for me. As an Allurian, I know I shouldn't be here. I should be in the other timeline. Yeah, but it's not that. I mean, what I think what is happening is, writing-wise or story-wise, forget the writing. Let's just talk about what the story that's being told to us right now. Yeah, I think that it's more the fact that the time has changed around Guinan, and Guinan is prime Guinan. Guinan is the prime timeline. Guinan. Well, and she was existing in the prime timeline. And then once this happened, right, she was still in the prime timeline, but the timeline was altered. Right. I mean, it's just it's just like it's a theoretical astrophysics nonsense, right? right? I don't mean nonsense, but I just mean like we could explain ourselves into everything. We can explain ourselves into the fact that every reality exists, right? So right. with only minute changes, there's a reality where you and I are doing this podcast right now and I'm on this side of the table and you're sitting to my left. Oh man, I wish I was there. <laughs> that's the best timeline. <laughs> but if that's only like the only, to my right. that's the only difference in that timeline. There's another timeline where we're doing this podcast right now, but I'm not picking this up. Yeah. I'm picking up. Uh, Can you imagine, Matt? A hundred. If you weren't weight. holding a, an Apple cord, it's a hundred pound I'm super strong. <laughs> no, you're not. Oh. Um, the uh, the other thing it probably just right. So we, what we're supposed to take from it is that what she is saying is correct, and there is one timeline 
in this situation, there aren't other timelines and, or if there are other timelines, they're irrelevant to this timeline, which has been changed. Yes, that's what she's saying. Yeah. Okay. Here's a little director, directory fucking greatness in this episode. All right. The next scene after the Castillo uh, Call Me Richard situation Uh is Picard explaining to the senior officers his plan to send them back to near to death. Mm -hmm. And the director fucking starts the shot on Picard's hip phaser. So you're just like, you're in this like reinforced, this is Jean-Luc Picard and he has a phaser on his own ship. Really cool. So like that's the start of this scene and I think that's like just one of those little brush strokes of greatness for this episode. Suggesting that we let them return and attempt to complete so their mission. So great. So we go from the phaser to the doctor. And like, you know, it's just like... You know why that's great directing? Because I didn't consciously note it, but I did unconscious. I definitely had a reaction to the fact that we're looking at a phaser on his hip. Right. And I just didn't consciously note it until you just pointed it yeah. out. That's good directing. Doctor. That guy should direct one of the movies. Based on... Done. In the past. Also, it's not great. Uh, <laughs> intuition. Oh, that's right. That's... That's the Kirk one. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Ugh. Not his I wish fault. I could. Not his fault. <laughs> I wish I could go back in time and take that movie away from him. But this, uh, this, is scene, not his fault? this scene is great. This is a pan. This is a pan across everybody yeah. as they're protesting. I love it. Yeah. You won't accomplish anything, sir. There's no way they can save Narendra 3. You're Captain Garrett said there were focusing. four Romulan warbirds. Yep. The Enterprise C would be outmanned and outgunned. Unless we were to rearm them with... Modern. We can't do that. If we send that ship back with That me- is a great That's great directing. Shot. Who's running that camera? Yeah. You, sir, should have won Best Camera the operator. DP award for <laughs> the Emmy of that year. Sure. Whatever the hell that was. Yeah. What is that award? I don't know. Best camera guy? I don't know. We're we're Best Camera Guy people. or Gal. Sure. Camera Best, uh, is there I wonder if there are camera operators or camera. Probably not. Best camera? <laughs> <laughs> is it the cameras? Be altering the past. But that's what you're talking about anyway, isn't it? Altering the past? We're talking about restoring the past. But how could Gaina know that history's been altered if she's been altered along with the rest of us? Matt, perhaps her... Sp- this is just what we discussed. What? This was just our discussion. What do you mean? We just had this discussion. No, no. I have a theory. Oh, boy. Hold on your hats. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, why is uh, Why is Riker uh-huh. so mad... Uh-huh. At Picard. Who's missing? Whose death is Picard responsible for in this timeline? His Imzadi. That's correct! Oh, wow, I did it. And his theories are very interesting because he's really smart. Shart. Anyway. <laughs> or it could be something but this else. This is like literally a discussion <laughs> we just had. This one? Yeah. She has a perception that goes beyond linear time. There are many things about her species we can't easily explain. Mm. Yet it is very possible that she is correct. A ship from the past has traveled through time. I wonder where he's getting that. How can we know what effect those events will have on the present? Indeed, we shall never know for certain if Guinan is correct. But I have decided the consequences of that possibility are too grave to ignore. Dismissed. Sir, if you'd like my opinion... I think I'm aware of your opinion, Commander. This is a briefing. I'm not seeking your consent. With all due respect, sir, you'd be asking 125 people to die a meaningless death. Not necessarily meaningless, Commander. The Klingons regard honor above all else. 
If the crew of the Enterprise C had died fighting for the survival of a Klingon outpost, it would be considered a meaningful act of honor by the Klingon Empire. Even their deaths could have prevented this war. If the Enterprise C returns to the battle and its mission is a success, history will be irrevocably changed. This timeline will cease to exist and a new future will have been created. I've considered the alternatives. I'll go with Guinan's recommendation. She's a bartender. She's right. We may not even be in an alternate timeline. Who knows if we're even dead or alive? Wait a minute. I, well, you know what? As far as the whole drop some story movement onto a character, there are worse ways to do it. Sure. Than a conversation I totally buy and her overhearing it. Yeah. Uh, followed by some flutes. Also, they've they've already laid the groundwork in a subtle way, right at this point. Yeah, with, with Guinan giving Guinan. her weird, weird looks. What'd she call you, Tasha? I like they get a little moment with Data and Tasha. Here's my theory. Okay, the turbo lift didn't recognize Data as a human. So <laughs> it's just waiting so he, for a human. He has to, to come wait in. for every door. <laughs> for a human to walk in. Tasha, do you mind standing near this door? <laughs> engineering. Is engineering your destination as well? Oh, deck six. Sorry. If I interpret your facial expressions correctly, even though she's facing you are preoccupied with something unpleasant no I, I i was just thinking about a lot of things uh, is my I, hair better I, in this timeline yeah <laughs> it is working with one of the officers on the enterprise c he's he's nice I, I like him i'm worried about what's going to happen to him we may never know what happens if they succeed we will not even realize that these events occurred Anyway, see you later. Uh, I like the plating on the hull of the Enterprise C. It's got that little uh, bluishness that yeah. we would see in the movie uh, ships sometimes. Uh, and it just, man, I just love that saucer section. It is nice. Love that deflector array. That's the uh, right off of the Enterprise A. This the the buzzer collector, Bussard oh, yeah. collector is a little uh, TOSy even. What were those for? Collecting Bussard. What's Bussard? Buzzard, Bussard. Uh, they uh, collect, I think they collect gases. Uh, for use, energy use? Again, this is uh, for some, for something. Here we go. Uh, buzzard collector, also known as a buzzard ram scoop, or simply ram scoop, is a device attached to the forward part of the warp nacelle. Uh they were equipped with the collectors uh, to collect interstellar particles, um, collected hydrogen and deuterium for fuel replenishment. There you go. Buzzard. I was Buzzard? Bussard. How do you spell it? B-U-S-S-A-R-D. I don't know. I've heard it pronounced many times. Everybody... Gives you crap. Yeah, I'm a pack I, I can't help you. I look for things, things that make me go. <laughs> you are smart. I, we like you. You are smart. 
Anyway, where were we? <laughs> Shields are up to 72%. Should have just fucking called them a ram scoop. <laughs> Do you believe this, Guinan? Do you believe in life after love? I discovered long ago that she has a special wisdom. I've learned to trust it. I could arrange for you to speak with her if you wish. Captain, I would be lying to you if I told you there was a chance in hell of coming out of this alive. Why doesn't your ship come back with us? The Romulans would be no match for your weaponry. I can't do that. No, I suppose not. You don't belong in our time any more than we belong in yours. To be honest with you, Picard, a significant number of my crew members have expressed a desire to return, even knowing the odds. Never tell me. Some because they can't live without their loved ones. Some because they don't like the idea of slipping out in the middle of the night. Star Wars number three. But I have told them that in the here and now, the Federation needs another ship against the Klingons. And we'd better get used to being in the here and now. But if you go back, it could be a great deal more helpful. Love the this. war is going very badly for the Federation. Far worse than is generally known. <laughs> Starfleet Command believes that defeat is inevitable. Within six months, we may have no choice but to surrender. And you're saying that all this may be a result of our arrival here? One more ship will make no difference in the here and now. But 22 years ago, one ship could have stopped this war before it started. Mr. Castillo. Yes, Captain. Inform the crew we're going back. Yes, Captain. The Romulans will get a good fight. We'll make it one for the history books. Garrett's I know the... you will, Captain. Garrett's the best. Lieutenant Yaw. Permission to remain a moment, sir. Granted. Transporter room. Captain Picard is ready to return to his ship. Hi, Captain. I just wanted to say good luck. I'll try to put some of your tactical briefing to good use when we get back. Your ship has much more maneuverability than the Romulan counterparts of that era. Actually, if you could just isolate... You'll do fine. Peace out. If you get back to Earth and you see a man, say in his late fifties, taking a hard, long look across a crowded room, don't be creeped out. Hey, it's also like, aren't you like thirty? This is fine. You're in your fifties. <laughs> like, <laughs> say hello. We can maybe go out. <laughs> you never know. Sorry, everybody. I didn't really, you know, they just surprised me. I was just lulled into watching it, and then another, everyone, another, everyone, everyone shook. Another uh, great moment. You expect that to be? She's going to give him a little kiss, Tasha Yar style, crazy Tasha Yar style. Nope, just a handshake, which is appropriate. Red alert! Full power to shields. Shields are up, functioning. Initiating evasive maneuvers. Gamma sequence. Ready, phasers. 
Enterprise D, has your captain returned safely? Acknowledged. Captain Picard is safely aboard. Fire phasers. Firing phasers. Report. One Klingon bird of prey off the starboard bow. Firing phasers. Load torpedo bays. Um, guys, listen, I accidentally put a firecracker in this box of foam rocks and saw blades, and I gotta tell you, it might have just gone off when the captain said, float torpedo base. <laughs> I don't know who that is. is it- I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, actually, I'm from the Enterprise D. <laughs> I'm Ensign Prankster. <laughs> Honestly, it was just an M80. <laughs> I have no readings. <laughs> Captain Gallant, damage report. Oh, Captain, hey, it's Lieutenant Pranks. <laughs> what now? <laughs> oh, oh you boy. See, you know, I occasionally have these firecracker boxes and I fill them with foam rocks and yes. sauce. Well, you see, the funniest thing happened. Oh, no. I'd, I'd place one right next to Captain Garrett. I was going to be back with it, but I forgot I had it there. And then when the ship got hit, well, she did. Lieutenant Prankster. <laughs> uh. Captain Garrett. This is Lieutenant Yar, sir. Captain Garrett is dead. She uh, is messed uh, up. Listen, it's but uh, well, that's just a little saw blade I took off of a Borg arm once. Dr. Crusher, can you do anything with this giant piece of metal in the head, middle of her head? Um, that is a that is a hilariously gruesome like way for her to die, and I guess they just made that choice. So it's like there's no way she's coming back. I don't care what the the medical technology is. Right, she is dead. back myself, Captain McCartney. Sir, Lieutenant Castillo is the last surviving senior officer. He will have limited support from ops, no tactical, reduced staff and engineering. I have any, good We're not sure he knows how to work to torpedoes. <laughs> Certainly history. I don't. But <laughs> other people know. For this ship to go into battle without her captain. I can't speak to that point, sir. But I can get us back to where we're supposed to be. I believe that's what Captain Garrett would want me to do. And I can knock it on the green like nobody's business. Sir, sensors are showing additional instability in the time rift, possibly the result of the battle with the Klingons. Any signs of other Klingon vessels? No, sir. Our coordinates have been transmitted to the Klingon command, sir. We mustn't remain here. Sir, it is my intention to return, unless you order me not to. How soon can your ship be ready? We sustained moderate damage in the attack. I think we can get underway in a few hours. Make it so. We'll give you cover. Just like you gave Troy cover. One to beam to the Enterprise C. We keep saying goodbye, don't we? You know, in this timeline, uh, the Irish people have joined the Klingons. (laughs) That's where O'Brien is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we could have used O'Brien in this timeline. I wish we had more time. More time. I think we have all the time we can handle. <laughs> as it is. Uh, 
do you guys want me to leave the transporter console and walk out of the I'll just you know what alpha 39 that's the code to get (laughs) beamed out of any awkward situation (laughs) it's been a a long running yeah no it's a long long catch callback oh and then she goes to see Guinan yeah come Uh, oh, should we play that scene, or I don't know. Whichever scene you want. You're supposed the... to be. She's supposed to be dead. Sure. She finds out. She's she supposed finds to be dead from, yeah. from Guinan, the Elorian, yeah. who knows everything. Who also kind of Picard doesn't know a ton about their species. The thing I like in the well, I guess I don't know. You're gonna play the Picard scene or the other one. Picard. Oh, the Picard you Tasha want, you scene. Want Guinan? I don't care. The, the main thing I was gonna say about the the Picard scene is um, what I like is that she says, I'm going to go over to the other ship. I'm not supposed to be here. And uh, he's mad. He's like, no, no, no. We, we, I want you here. Even though he knows the timeline's going to change and all this stuff is like kind of this nice moment that like he's protective of the last thing that he can be protective of, which is a member of his crew because he's already given up this other crew. Yeah. It's really nice. Tasha. Tasha. Have you heard about the pet cemetery? <laughs> Perhaps we could bury you there. You'll come back. You'll come back as a fully drawn out character, not some weirdo with a horrible past. <laughs> come. Oh, part of me wants yes, to read can. that start, that fucking captain's log entry. Sorry, I swore everybody. Captain. Which one? I request. That, that he just had up on his screen. Oh, what did it say? Uh, oh, damn, it's just numbers. Captain's log entry. Mm. Is Picard a robot? Come on, Android. One zero zero one 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 zero 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 one zero one. Captain Picard, what are you doing in here? Nothing. Gotta go. Captain Alpha three nine. I request a transfer to the Enterprise C. What? For what reason? They need someone at tactical. We need you here. I'm not supposed to be here, sir. Sit down, Lieutenant. That damn bartender. (laughs) What did she say to you? First she was like, looking at me weird, and then she was like, do you need a drink? And then I was like, Richard. And then, oh, I mean, just now? She said, oh. Here, sir. I'm, I'm supposed to be dead. Weird sludge thing felt supposed it to necessary to, be to reveal that to you. I felt it was necessary. I see. You realize that it is very possible the Enterprise C will fail. We will continue in this timeline, in which case your life, hopefully, will continue for a long while. I know how important it is that they don't fail, Captain. That's why I'm requesting this transfer. You don't belong on that ship, Lieutenant. No, Captain Garrett belongs on that ship. But she's dead. And I think there's a certain logic in this request. There's no logic in this at all. Whether they succeed or not. The Enterprise C will be destroyed. 
But Captain, at least with someone at Tactical, they will have a chance to defend themselves well. It may be a matter of seconds or minutes, but those could be the minutes that change history. Guinan says I died a senseless death in the other timeline. I like the hard lighting here. I didn't like the sound yeah. of that, Captain. Half their faces in shadow. I've always known the risks that come with a Starfleet uniform. If I'm to die in one, I'd like my death to count for something. Lieutenant. Permission granted. He said. Thank you, sir. Look how look at how much it's weighing on him. I liked how there was a guard posted outside of Yeah, there are probably assassins everywhere. There must be. Yeah. The Klingons, come on. Klingon assassins. Oh, and Romulans, right? The Romulans! The Romulans definitely would send assassins all the time. Show me someone in your crew who can do the job better than I can. You don't even know how to work torpedoes. <laughs> Good point. Welcome aboard. Take your station, Lieutenant. Aye, sir. I missed that belt. Where's your belt? Oh, he didn't have a belt? I mean, that's just one of those little things they change about this whole thing with that uniform. So then we get into the a massive firefight. The Enterprise C until she was... enters a temporal rift. And we must succeed. Let's make sure that history never forgets the name Enterprise. Yeah. Got out. Yeah, the card. Then I was said, "Let's make sure no one forgets the name Enterprise." Secunda. <laughs> That's how I would have finished that. <laughs> Mr. Crusher, I'm about uh, to course one four eight. Full on firefight. This is what I dream of for Star Trek. Special pattern. That's really good. Really great. And fire effects. And this was on television. Yeah, this is a, this is a movie level. One enemy target. Firefight. Moderate damage to their forward shields. Wesley's all over it. Our shields are still holding. Kicking ass the console. Damage to the helm. Course 148. Correction. Course 170. Mark 014. I thought that was an interesting moment. He changes course. What do you? Why do you think they had that? <laughs> I think he just decides. He think he assesses what's on his panel. Right. Goes, you know, He's like, no, oh, the they're coming about. Yeah. They're gonna. Yeah. yeah. He's thinking three-dimensionally. I'm yeah. like, Han. Yeah. In 200 kilometers of the Enterprise C. Coming to 217 Mark 115, increasing to two-thirds impulse. Will Wheaton's on, on fire in this episode. Everybody is. Just phasering in every direction. Damage control team's deck 14. Engineering the bridge. Starboard I love, is down. I love Jordy having generator three is damaged. problems. I love Attempting it. Attempting the bypass. If we lose antimatter containment. Acknowledge, LaForge. Sir, the Klingons are flanking us, attempting to draw us away from the Enterprise C. Hold course, Mr. Crusher. Continual fire all phasers. All phaser bay. Finally, we get to see them all go. So cool. 
One enemy target destroyed, sir. Uh, Commander Riker, if you could just do that to the other ships, that'd be cool. <laughs> Damage report. Heavy casualty in the secondary hull. Navigational sensor array inoperative. I love coolant leaks in engineering. Doing us both what we want. Shields buckling, Captain. They will not. The Porsche Bridge. I can't hold the antimatter containment fields. Initiating emergency shutdown. Love it. <laughs> coolant leak. Bridge, we've got a coolant leak in the engine core. I can't shut it down. I estimate two minutes to a warp core breach. So at this point, do they know they're going to die? If there's a warp core uh, breach, they is can this still like, eject the core. They could eject the core. Yeah. Gotcha. How long before the Enterprise C enters the rift? Fifty-two seconds, sir. All remaining power to the defense systems. Power coupling severed and forward phaser banks. Love Attempting that. Attempting to bypass. Controls not responding. Uh, hi, Captain Picard. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> oh, no. We're in the middle of a fight. <laughs> yeah, I just, I had another box of foam rocks and saw blades oh. and a firecracker. Why did you, why do you I keep replicating I, those? I know. I left it behind. Tactical. Now, you're not going to believe this, but I think Commander Rocco is dead. Oh. <laughs> Christ. Surprise. Surrender and prepare to be boarded. That will be the day. Yeah! The card takes the weapons! I like him jumping over the tactical station. This is old school Picard! Old school Picard? Yeah, you know, like when he was, uh, what was he, a helmsman? What was he? Oh, sure, Stargazer Picard. Yeah. Firing, blasting away. There she goes, there she goes. Bye, Bye, in the ship. Enterprise. See those extra seconds. Bye bye, bye bye, oh, Ambassador. Oh, here we are. Readings fluctuated momentarily. It appeared to be a ship, but. Then it vanished. The phenomenon is closing in on itself, Captain. Very well. Prepare a class one sensor probe. We'll leave it behind to monitor the final closure. Mr. Crusher, lay in a course for Archer 4. Captain, this is Guinan. I told you not to give right her this there? number, Riker. <laughs> yes, everything's fine. Something wrong? No. No, everything's fine. Sorry to bother you. Cool, cool. Um, computer, why is Ten Forward able to call the bridge? <laughs> Jordy, tell me about Tasha Yar. Well, in our timeline, well, she was very strange. Because <laughs> it's real weird. <laughs> Out of that uh, phrase to finish. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah, look at that, everybody. Andy has just experienced a great episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and quite frankly, we are all better for it. Okay, so let's get into this. <laughs> Will it be Jordy, Rackle, 
I think this is a tough one. Because mm-hmm. I... I kind of want to give it to Captain Garrett partly because, uh, but she, we, are we, we're not considering her part of the Enterprise crew, or are we? She, she also is an Enterprise crew member. Gets killed by Lieutenant Pranksman. Prankster. Oh. Well, maybe Pranksman. Maybe Pranksman. Logical. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's obviously Guinan, um, who is the one who perceives the distinction. In the first place. Yeah. Is she a crew member? Yeah. Um, She's staffed on the ship. And then who else? Tasha. Tasha sacrifices herself. thousand percent. Um, Lieutenant Castillo. Lieutenant Castillo. I I guess I would give that to Garrett over Castillo, but... The Enterprise is in grave danger. Mm-hmm. Right, warp core breach is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Picard jumps behind the tactical, starts firing at things to give the Enterprise C enough time. It's true. Everybody plays their in. part. Which, frankly, this again points out everybody. But I feel like Data doesn't do a ton. He doesn't. I feel like Crusher is terrible at keeping the secret uh-huh. that they're from the Enterprise because uh-huh. it's the second word out of her mouth. Uh, Riker's kind of just having a meltdown the entire episode. Riker's having an emotional arc we can't fully understand. <laughs> because of his issues with the death of Troy that and, Picard was responsible for. Uh, Worf uh, loves prune juice. Mm-hmm. It's Worf. It's Worf. <laughs> uh, so here's the deal. I think it has to be... Oh, Guinan... And Picard. See, I'd say Guinan or Tasha. Does oh, it... I like I like a Tasha. Is it Tasha responsible for saving the universe? I mean, I guess it depends how much you want to say her being present on the Enterprise C made a difference to the entire timeline. Also, we don't know at that point, right? Like, what happened? What do you mean? Uh, what happens after they go back? Did the Enterprise C, with Tasha's skill, yeah. take out those Romulan ships? Oh. Did they succeed? Oh, that's true. Because either way, them dying is honorable. Yeah. And them saving the thing. All we know is the time. All we know is a timeline is restored where they didn't go back to war or where they didn't start a war. Right. We don't know how that was accomplished. So maybe let's take Tasha out of it because it's just we would only be able to infer what difference she made going back in time. Although I love that they've given Tasha an honorable death. Whereas before she had a senseless death. That is amazing. And I wish somebody would do that for Hedwig. Um, what about the angry itch? No, the uh, the owl. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, I would say take take Tasha out of it, even though I really like the idea of Tasha getting an MVC, since she'll never get one. She'll never get one again. Yeah. Um, so then what is it? Picard? Guinan? Uh-huh. What do you think? Anybody else? I think you're dismissing Tasha too quickly. Uh-huh. It's 10.04. I've been up since 5 a.m. I'm sorry. Matt. Here he goes. It's the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Here he goes. I have been up since 5. Sadly, we I'm about to run day. out of power in my computer, so that may be the last sound effect we hear. <laughs> um, I, think it's, I think we have to give a little chunk of this to Tasha. Okay. And then the I rest of Guinan? I think it's a Tasha Picard Guinan triple threat. Oh, okay. 
That's gonna I mean, the irritate. reality of it is it's really Guinan. Yes. Without Guinan on board, right? Right. They would just continue along, meaning they would get yeah. the Enterprise C I fixed we, up and it would enter into this battle. And, and we, tend, we tend to make decisions on the MVCs based on this is the most important thing because without this move, none of the other moves happen. The domino effect. So I say it's yeah. Guinan, too. I agree. Guinan, congratulations. You've got an MVC. Good for what you. What are you going to do friend. with that? Uh-oh. Just just went down. Okay. Now, what were you supposed to play? How many Andes does this episode get? <laughs> well, Andy, it's time for the Andes. Okay. And people have said that they want to hear me first. Great. I don't know. Go for it. This is, a, this is tough. Not... Because of the low possibility, but because of the high possibility, because I love this so much. Just from top, from the first scene to the last scene, I was engaged. It was spooky. It was just filled with action. Every characterization was on target. Nice track pun. What did I say? Engage. Oh, man. Um, I'm taking off a half point just for that. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Um... So I don't. So I'm like in a weird spot because I've only seen. I haven't even seen halfway through the series. And according to what you're showing me on that chart, this is the first of many greens. So I don't know, but I got to tell you, certainly in reference to everything I've seen thus far, this baby is a ten. Andy, I have to say, you're correct. This wow. is a ten. This is a ten. This is a ten. So this is this is. Equal to this is as good as they get. This is like this is the kind of thing I don't see. I, there are no. I, we did a lot of nitpicking. Yeah. Of of nothingness right. that did not detract. But I'm talking like from the acting to the story to the directing to right. the fucking lighting to the score thematically. Really to interesting. To the sci-fi crutch of it. It's just like so. It's, it's great sci-fi. Like to the point where. It doesn't even feel dated. Not at all. Not even a little bit. That's crazy. And this came out. This this aired 28 years ago. So, yeah. I'm giving it a 10. 28 years ago. And this feels like it's right now. Yeah. Uh, 10 out of 10 from both of us. And uh, would you like a little bit of uh, trivia to go with this episode? Sure, certainly. Uh... Okay. So we talked about how the script, the most of the staff was unhappy because it was a three day write. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> still, I I would three day rewrite really. I would pay so much money to go back in time and just be present in those rooms and see what, how the decisions. It just must have been just panic fire, and I got to put this on Michael Pillar. Just like he must have been making command decisions on the level of Picard. In a battle situation. Hang on. Oh, okay. Uh, so Janino and Stillwell, who were pre- responsible for the story, uh, joined forces on an alternate timeline story that used material from three original Star Trek episodes. A Vulcan team on an archaeological mission accidentally changed history through the Guardian of Forever. Mm-hmm. Classic. Cool, right? Uh, when Surak, the founder of Vulcan's peaceful, logical way of life from the Savage Curtain is killed. His absence leads to the new timeline 
which has violent Vulcans joining the Romulans in a super empire, wiping out the Klingons and turning on the Federation. That's Mirror Mirror? No, this is what they wanted this story to be. Oh. Uh, That is awesome. (laughs) After being captured by Spock's father, Sarek. Oh, my God. uh, Picard is persuaded to let him take Sarek's place in the past, restoring the timeline. So Sarek figures out what has happened. It was the point when Sarek had died, the Mm -hmm. founder of Vulcan Logic. Yeah. and Sarek then says to Picard, I must go back and become that Vulcan. Uh-huh. Cool story, right? That's pretty great. It's, it's, it's much more complex in a way that's just nerdy and yeah. not helpful, yeah, but yeah. it's so cool. <laughs> uh, we thought it would be really cool that someone from the future replaced someone in the past, and I always thought it was funny that their names were so similar, still well <laughs> said. But after hearing that idea, Michael Piller nixed the use of both Sarek and the Guardian, which he called a gimmick from the original series, mm. but urged them to combine the story with Janino's Enterprise C tale, enlarging Tasha's part and bringing in Guinan. After eight days of brainstorming, the eventual story emerged with a female captain who dies to make room for Tasha's sacrifice and a more honorable death. After another rewrite, the regular staff took over and each wrote an act. Pillar sharpened Guinan's role in the incident, Ron Moore contributed the Yara Castillo romance. Moore also stated that the time constraints cut his own plans for a longer, bloodier ending for the alternate Enterprise D. <laughs> Good which, for you, Ron Moore. In which Data was electrocuted, Wesley's head was blown off, oh, awesome. and so on. Oh, I would have loved to have seen that. Of the sequence, only Riker's death was retained. Uh-huh. Pillar voluntarily took his name off the credits to meet stringent Writers Guild credit limit of four names. So I was right. You were right. He's honorable. That guy's the best. Good for you, Michael Pillar. You took your name off of one of the greatest TNG episodes out of honor. Uh, Good job. Gone too soon, Michael Pillar. Oh, is he dead? Yeah. I feel like I just lost a friend. Uh, as an original Star Trek's Mirror Mirror, little tor- little touches are used to subtly point to the differences between the alternate universes, uh, the military log for the captain's log with the combat date for the star date, uh, the absence of the counselor, mm-hmm. uh, steps replace the side ramps uh, on the bridge, uh, the captain's chair is more throne-like, the sidearms uh, were the normal ones, other nice touches include Dr. Salar. Is heard being paged as is, heard it. as is Lieutenant Barrett, an homage to Gene Roddenberry's wife, Majel Barrett. Oh, one other thing that I forgot to mention. What is that? Oh, a dog barking next. Um, so somebody else pointed out on the uh, my. Unfortunately, my thing went down. If you want to look it up on our Facebook group, um, but uh, but uh, apparently uh, the um, the dolphin the dolphins are mentioned. <laughs> Oh, the navigational dolphins? <laughs> yeah, something oh, ops. Um, I don't know what it was. Oh, that's amazing. Look. Marine ops or something like that? Cetacean. Oh, cetacean. That's cool. Uh, so then here's the deal with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, O'Neill uh, would later play a Klingon in Suspicions. The Naranda off, uh, outpost honored uh, Moore's friend 
and later science of uh, advisor slash story editor uh, Narin Shankar. And two TNG firsts are here. That's Bob Blackman's use of the film era costumes and uh, Greg Jean's model of Andy Probert's ambassador class design. Here we go. It's from Colin Holbrook. He says, wait just a goddamn minute. Did I actually just hear an overheard comms voice requesting Dr. Joshua Kim report to Cetacean Ops at 4248? I guess we're going to have to find said, out. How are the 1070D... Oh, maybe this is a different one. 1070D Cetaceans involved in the war effort? Navigation. Always. Why is it 1070D? Is this a different episode? 1701D? It's 1070, unless he wrote the wrong thing. He probably just typoed it. Okay. You shut it down. I estimate two minutes to a warp core breach. Did he say the time? 4248. How long before the Enterprise C enters the rift? 52 seconds, sir. Yeah, it would be right here. All remaining power to the defense systems. Power coupling severed and forward phaser banks. Attempting to bypass. Uh, Controls not responding. Well, Colin, if you want to send us the uh, the actual time code, Colin, or the or, the, or a video or an audio clip, paused it at Riker stunt double. Oh, amazing! Let me take a picture. Uh, um, yeah, or send us the audio clip would be even better. Um, okay. How many Andy does this episode get? We did it. Ten out of ten, everybody. It's okay. You don't have to like delay anything. Uh, next week's episode, everybody, is The Offspring. It's uh, the first episode directed by Jonathan Frakes, director extraordinaire. Uh, and uh, we are also going to, I guess, watch the trailer. If you want to tune out, you can tune out. Otherwise, uh, uh, buckle up. Uh, uh, what do you say for a trailer? Uh, do you know anything about The Offspring, Andy? Not off the title. What would you think a, a Enterprise episode titled The Offspring was about? I think it's going to be about aliens uh, laying eggs in one of the uh, crew members. Cool. Uh, let me type in trailer next to this. <laughs> and let's see. That way I don't have to watch The Offspring music videos. Here we go. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation, Commander Data creates an android child. I have brought a new life into this world. But Starfleet's orders leave her an orphan. I want that android out of here. The child depends on him. And a deadly malfunction. I am scared. Threatens her life. I love you, Father. On Star Trek The Next Generation... It's hard to... I wish it was Andy's plot. No, I'm kidding. So it's actually something think, other than that. It seems pretty clear what that is. I think it's... Uh, watch next week's episode. I enjoyed The Offspring's really... I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. We'll okay. see. Did I just color Andy's opinion of it? No. Uh, whatever. Uh, well, Andy, I feel like we've really talked for two hours and 30 minutes. I, it deserved it. This episode just was just was so satisfying oh my god i cannot believe how long we talked about this episode for that was always the worry right we'd get to the good ones and not have anything to say 
Oh, well, that's certainly not true. Yeah. I was nerding out so hard in this one. Just everything. The the fights, the characterizations. It's still been said, but... I tell you, Great Trek... Such good Trek. Is, is Great Trek is the best uh, sci-fi for me. Mm-hmm. 